Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is it. The time has come. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. And one count, push him down. With Adam Catterall. You're better than that. On TalkSport, the home of boxing. Thank you very much to Mark Wilson and the team from Old Trafford. Fantastic commentary of the Rugby League over the last couple of hours. Now it's time to get stuck into a bit of fight sports. I'm Adam Catterall. Nick Pete alongside me this evening for fight night here on Talk Sport. We're going to bring you all the latest news and you're going to hear from the likes of David Hay, Josh Taylor, Frank Warren, Carl Frampton, Molly McCann, UFC fighter, is going to be on the show. Uh, Josh Warrington's in action tonight in Leeds, but we've caught up with him throughout the course of the week. And yes, I know that some of you might throw shade on this. KSI and Logan Paul are going to be on the programme as well. Uh, if you want to get involved with it, you're more than welcome to do so. 08717 We're all over social media as well, at Talk Sports. Um, but sit back, crack open a can of Stella, or whatever type of drink you like on a Saturday evening, enjoy your takeaway, and get stuck into a little bit of fight sports chat. Uh, we will as well keep you across everything that's happening in Leeds this evening. Josh Warrington not expected in the ring till, well, with it being a Frank Warren show, Nick, probably about half past 11, won't it? So uh, <laughs> exactly. we might even be finished <laughs> by the time, uh, obviously, Josh Warrington makes his, uh, his ring walk uh, to defend his IBF crown uh, later on in his, uh, in his hometown. Something special about hometown fighters, isn't it? I mean, you're quite lucky, obviously, being a scouser, mm-hmm. the amount of scousers in there that defend their titles. Callum Smith's got one coming up, obviously, in November. Anthony Crowell has been a, st- a stalwart of Manchester yep. of recent times. Obviously, his last dance is coming up in October, but... Leeds is most certainly the home for uh, for Josh Warrington. Something special going on there right now, isn't it? With Josh, you know, the guys have been absolutely outstanding. He's got a huge fan base. And even though the opponent tonight might not be the opponent we all dreamed about, the you know the unification fight that even Josh has been angling for for so long, um, the Leeds for, faithful are out in force again tonight, and it will be an incredible atmosphere, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, as I mentioned there in the opener, uh, we are going to speak a little bit about uh, KSI and Logan Paul. You know me, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I don't see any well, problem with yeah, it whatsoever. Well, that's fine. You're, you're up for YouTubers knocking bells out of each other. What about WWE? You a, you a fan of that? <laughs> uh, because we are going to have to talk about Tyson Fury's upcoming Halloween showdown in the Middle East uh, with some geezer I didn't even know existed uh, up until seven days ago when Tyson Fury rocked up at something called SmackDown, mate. Uh, so we're going to get stuck into that as well. These are all the big stories throughout the course of the week. Obviously, Tyson Fury is going to compete. Is that the right... Is that the right turn of phrase? Is he going to compete or is he just is he doing a performance? What's he doing? I don't know. What do you put it down to? It's we're not, 
He's winning. Yeah. That's what you do. He's Put become, your money on him winning. He's becoming a WWE champion, no doubt. <laughs> um, we'll be speaking about that uh, very, very shortly, so do stick around for it. Tyson Fury, obviously, he is, on October the 31st, going to be performing at something called the crown jewel in the uh, in the WWE. Um, I think we might even talk about Rooney versus Vardy. No, no. Oof, I tell you what. Not the men. We'll talk about the ladies. <laughs> in the big chat this week. There you go. Um, change of opponent for Derek Chisora, um, a man that Nick knows very, very well, David Price, stepping up. Even though on Monday of this week, we were convinced that it wasn't going to happen. Tuesday, Money must talk, my friend, because he changed his mind and decided to go uh, for that big showdown with Derek Chisora at the back end of October as well. Usyk, uh, Alexander Usyk, makes his heavyweight debut tonight. We'll speak about that, of course, and of course we'll keep you every, uh, across everything uh, in uh, in Leeds with Josh Warrington. But the biggest story, without any shadow of a doubt this week, uh, and I'm sure all of you have, have seen this on social media, was that horrific car crash uh, that uh, the unified welterweight champion of the world, Errol Spence Jr., uh, got himself involved in. Uh, a little earlier on this week. Remarkably, I'm, I'm, if you've seen the footage, but you don't know, obviously, what has happened since, he remarkably, he's walked away from that crash without breaking any bonds, only suffering facial, lac- uh, facial lacerations, and is expected to make a full recovery. Remarkable. Absolutely incredible. You know, and he's an incredibly lucky boy, as you say. The footage... Is absolutely horrific. You know, it's just the, that white Ferrari just tearing to pieces as it just tumbles down the road. And, you know, just a couple of weeks after Pernell Whitaker died in the car crash as well, um, when I first heard about it and when I first seen that bit of footage, I feared the worst. Mm. And the initial chat coming out of it was that the police had just said it was a famous personality from Dallas. They didn't actually reveal that it was a. Uh, was was Errol Spence initially, and when they do that, you kind of fear you, you fear the worst because you're like, oh, they haven't even named the person. If they come straight out, you think, okay, well, he must be in a, you know, he must be in must a be all right, condition because yeah. you know, obviously they do that to protect the the family members and whatever, and make sure they know first. But so my initial re- response when I seen it, when I, when I seen the news, was uh, was fearing the worst. But listen, someone's looking down, someone's smiling on him, and it seems like we're going to see Errol Spence defend his belts once more. Which is, again, remarkable because. Unreal. For him to be alive, first of all, from the crash is one thing. For him to make any type of recovery is another. But for him to be able to make a full recovery, that's what we're being told at this moment in time. Time will tell, obviously, on this. Mm-hmm. But we're being told that he's going to make a full recovery. And as you just said there, when you see someone or you see the aftermath of a crash like that and somebody was in that, the thoughts of competing at the highest level of any sport, let alone fight sports, is just so far out of the window at that particular time, but we're being told that that will be the case, and he will be he will be returning to the ring at some point. Yeah, and and you know it's often the case with professional athletes that they're able because their bodies are in such great condition, and they're physically just you know they're like resources, aren't they? And and, and Errol Spence, you're probably looking at less than ten percent body fat even outside of the mm. ring, and he's you know he's so physically tuned in his body. I think. You, the human body obviously is incredible to recovery, but when you're a professional athlete, you can come through stuff like that. You know, it's 22 years this week since a good friend of mine, Carl Wright, fell into a coma after a British title fight, and you know he was pretty much written off by the by the doctors. Um, but he made a miraculous recovery, literally miraculous recovery. And the doctors said to him and his wife, it was purely down to the fact that you're a fighter and you're fit as a fiddle. Yeah. You know, and he and he says that the running the hills in Liverpool, training for that fight, running up and down the hills every day, getting into the condition he was, he truly believes that's what pulled him out of a coma. And I, and I truly believe that's why Earl Spencer's come out of this with nothing more but scrapes. A lot of that same rhetoric was around Anthony Crowley when uh, when he had a fractured skull and obviously a broken Absolutely. ankle, and he of was course. he was back winning. A world championship within 12 months of that 
that incident. Yeah. Like you say, they're phenomenal. in they're in phenomenal nick. Yeah. Um these boys and girls that obviously dedicate their uh, their craft to this but as uh, as Nick pointed out uh, a little earlier on, extremely lucky uh, to be coming out of that. And we send uh, all our best thoughts to him and his family at this moment in time, wishing him a speedy recovery. And we uh, hope to see him uh, again soon. Um, we are going to speak about this a little bit later on in the show uh, because I've caught up with David Hare this week, who is obviously managing Derek Chisora. But you're a good pal of prices. Mm-hmm. He's pulled the wool over our eyes, hasn't he? Because uh, <laughs> at the start of the week, definitely not happening, lads. Yep. It's definitely not happening. I can show you the text from him. Monday, 4 p.m. I'm not fighting Derek Chisora. <laughs> Tuesday, 4pm, I'm in. <laughs> Somebody's offered him a few quid, haven't they? Yeah, I think, listen, the opportunity, David, David Price would always have wanted that opportunity. You know, main event, the O2, big show, live on Sky, of course he's going to want that opportunity. You know, you beat Derek Chisora, you're in the mix for a world title shot. Um, but it's taken it as a, he, he was supposed to be fighting at the end of November, so he's brought us, you know, basically he's took four weeks off his training camp. There's only two weeks to go to the actual fight anyway when the conversation takes place. So mm. while he was tempted, I think there was it was always about a number. And I truly believe on that Monday, he'd obviously been offered it, thought about it, and thought, you know what, it's not for me. And no doubt Eddie Hearn's gone back with a, with a number that, listen, everyone's mm. got a number in this game and I think he's hit the right number or maybe just the right opportunity. You know, don't forget, there's a lot of talk about Callum Smith defending against John Ryder at the end of November. If Callum Smith defends his belt successfully, Eddie Hearn has said, he told us on TalkSport last week, we will announce Anfield in May, yeah. the end of May, live in the ring in, in Liverpool in November. And maybe David Price has said, listen, I'll fight Chisora, but win, lose or draw, I want to be on that Anfield card in May because that's going to be you know, one of the biggest nights Liverpool boxing's ever seen, certainly modern mm. era. And maybe that's what he's done. From a Chisora point of view, and you'll hear this a little later on in the show when I catch up with, uh, with David Hay, I don't see what the win is for him in this particular fight. I understand you fight Joseph Parker, which was his original opponent, former world champion, you beat him, you're in the mix. Mm-hmm. Real mix there of talking about fighting some not only for proper money, but for proper accolades in the heavyweight division. With him not being there and now fighting David Price, what's the win for Derek Chisora? Because there's definitely an upside for Pricey. If Pricey beats Chisora, then all of a sudden, we're rocking and rolling. Yeah, exactly. David Price replaces Chisora, and he becomes the guy that's a phone call away from a world title fight. But I think for Chisora, more than anything, it's just about getting him out. He He needed to get out. He needed to be on this card. He's put a, you know, he's... Regardless of whether he trained himself, I'm sure we'll, t- we'll hear from him later on. He'll, and he'll, you know, David at least will shed a bit more light on this. But you know, he's done a full training camp. He's going down to London. The fights, you know, next weekend. There's a lot of exposure around him for this fight, and he knows a big win here sets him up for a massive 2020. So he just couldn't afford not to fight. So then you're looking down the options of who are the options, and maybe he's thought David Price has had one of those careers last couple of years where it's been up and it's been down. Mm. You know, Chisora will start as a, as a big favourite, I'm sure, going into the fight, even though Pricey's coming into it after three good wins, albeit domestic level yeah, yeah. wins. Um, and I think Chisora will, will feel like if once he lands a big punch, once he lands a shot, it could be the best time. And maybe he's thinking, you know what, take David Price when he's not necessarily in his other 100% because he is, you know, he hasn't been training for this fight, only had two weeks' notice. Maybe it's the scalp that Chisora believes that it's just going to give him that one last forward momentum before he takes on a world title fight. He, you know, he can't handpick somebody too far down the, the pecking order because it won't do anything at all. Yeah. A win over David Price is still a little bit of a statement for Chisora, but you're right, it's heavily swayed in David Price's side at the moment. And if he can get the win, wow, 
we could have David Price in a world title fight in 2020. How bonkers is that? Mm. If I said that a year ago, you thought it was mental. Mm. One thing that I have learned um, from speaking to fans and just asking people at TalkSport who, uh, who just dip in for the big fights every now and again, some of the presenters and some of the staff and what have you, they're a lot more excited about a fight with Derek Chisora versus David Price than they were with Derek Chisora versus Josie Parker, which I personally find a little bit surprising because Josie Parker is a former world champion there, you know? I 100% agree. But to be honest, it, it surprised me. When I when I switched on social media and I'd seen he, he Price had taken a fight and it had been announced, obviously I got the message from Matt Room and I thought I'd jump on social media and see what the response yeah, yeah, has been yeah. like and it was overwhelmingly positive. Now maybe the, maybe the, men's, the the big side of that is just British sports fans, as you're saying, maybe not necessarily hardcore boxing fans, but British sports fans who know David Price is, who maybe were on the Dave Allen uh, yeah. road train a little bit and then they've jumped on with David Price now and you think wow okay yeah and don't forget Derek's got a lot fight. of fans as well hasn't he you know absolutely what I mean? mm. and maybe maybe Derek's fans thought well you know this guy went the distance with AJ fair enough but then he you know it wasn't the most exciting fight with Huey Fury and mm-hmm. it's a bit like well whereas David Price because he's generated headlines because he had that big win over over Dave Allen maybe British fans are going yeah we want an all, all British showdown instead so I, I think you're right I think in terms of Matchroom and Eddie Hearn, I think regardless of what it's cost them, he's played a bit of a blinder because more people seem excited about Price Gisora, as you say, than Price versus uh, Joe Parker. So it's if, crazy. Sometimes these things just work out, don't they? Mm. Sometimes these things work out for the better. And, and, and right now I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, prior, listen, last week I was more looking forward to Progress versus Josh Taylor, of course, because it's the, you know, the, the final World Boxing Super Series. Don't fall in now. But now I'm a bit <laughs> like, I can't wait to see at least the first three rounds of, of Price versus uh, Big Derek. Well, if Derek thought, uh, was upset that he wasn't the main event uh, fighting a former world champion, and as you've just said, and loads of other people have told me this week, they're a lot more excited about this, uh, the replacement opponent than they were than the original. Then uh, is he worthy of main event now over the uh, world title unification? Listen, I think Joe Parker would have come to box twelve rounds and to do what Dillian White done, and that's to take Derek into deep water and then catch him down the street. You know, because he's old, he's, he's been around for an awful long time. Derek, who is training Derek? You know, what what conditions he in? We just don't know. Can I just pull you up on that? Right, he's younger than me and you. Before you start calling people old on this show, all right. <laughs> I mean old in boxing terms. Chisora's been around a long time. He's had a lot of big fights and he's been in big fights for, for well over 10 years. And I think Parker would have thought, right, I'll take him into deep water, I'll silence that London crowd and then I'll see if I can stop him down down here, the, the 10, 11, 12. Let's face it, David Price with, with a two-week notice hasn't had a full training camp. David Price can't go 12 rounds. We've seen that. He won't have it in his legs to do 12 rounds. So David Price, in my opinion, and I haven't, this is not from David Price, but from me, I think David Price is going to go for it in the first six rounds because he's not going to think, I can take him into deep water because Derek's the one who's had the full camp. Mm. So I think Price is going to fly out and I think Chisora, to make his statements, he's going to fly out. So I, I think we could get absolute fireworks. It's going to be a good night, that. As uh, as I alluded to a moment or two ago, there is a, a world title unification on there as well between Regis Progress, uh, who's in the UK at this moment in time, and uh, Josh Taylor, a big fa- uh, big favourite uh, here on Talk Sport. We're actually going to hear from him a little uh, later on in the show, so make sure you stick around uh, for that. I apologise uh, for our next section, uh, because unusually we're going to talk about WWE. We're not going to go OTT on WWE. We're going to talk about the marketing aspect of it and how you build a brand called Tyson Fury. It's coming up next here on TalkSport.
Last week I was here minding my own business. Ron, he tried to make me look like a fool. I wound up getting chucked out. So tonight, I'm here to demand an apology. It's a good job that those security did jump on me and take me out. Because I'd have got in this ring and I would knock you out. That's where you're mistaken, my friend. It'd be you laying on your back, staring up at the lights, and not for some slow 10 count like the last time you fought Wilder. I'm a heavyweight champion of the world. How many heavyweight titles have you won? Whoa. And Strowman just picked up Tyson Fury. Strowman and Fury going at it. Look at the security team trying to break these men up. They can't do it. Oh, right and left from the middle heavyweight champion. And look at Tyson Fury. He's knocking out anything that moves. I don't know if I would be brave enough to get between these two men. They are dealing out insane combos. He said he was coming to Monday Night Raw to demand an apology from you. He didn't quite get it. Will he get one in the future? Of course not, not after that. Coming into my house, disrespecting me, my business, the WWE. I don't play that crap, Tyson Fury. Well, well, well. Who'd have thought it, Nick? <laughs> me and you sat in my living room on a Saturday night producing a fight sports show to international radio and dropping in some WWE. Times have changed, mate. Times have changed. Uh, this is all, of course, because uh, Tyson Fury has shown up not once, not twice, um, but soon to be three times uh, on WWE prominent events. Uh, last week, he turned up at an event called SmackDown. On Monday night, he turned up at an event called Raw. Um, and obviously, there's the little bits of commentary that you've just been hearing earlier on. Uh, sorry, later on in the week, there was an announcement about his upcoming bout, which is taking place on October the 31st, and it's happening in uh, in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, before me and Nick get stuck into this, I want you to hear from uh, Frank Warren, because Frank Warren, he's, he's a boxing promoter, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Frank Warren is the man uh, responsible for uh, promoting Tyson Fury's a boxing career here in the UK. This is what he had to say on all this WWE stuff. You know, one clash of heads, anything could happen. Um, I, you know, look, he, he's got his heart set on doing it. I prefer him not to do it. I'll tell you straight, you know, but that's if he is going to do it, doing it without, you know, just coming off of that injury to his eye. Um, but he is doing it, and uh, we, you know, that's Tyson. You know, Tyson, Tyson loves it. You know, he's a showman. That's what he is. He's a showman, and he's. I think four million people have watched that. Uh, I was seeing seeing on that yeah. went out on the on the, what we done a couple of days ago. So, you know, he's uh, he's he's building building that profile so that when the big fight happens, the rematch with Wilder, providing Wilder comes through his fight with Ortiz, then uh, that's gonna be something special and something, and it'll be a big fight. Frank, don't worry about injuries. It's fake, mate. Nobody's gonna hit him. Nobody's gonna be putting hands on him, pal. Don't you worry about it. He'll come out of it unscathed. Um, as Frank just alluded to there, four million people watched the debacle uh, this week. And it is a debacle. Let's, well, listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If you're a grown man staying up in the middle of the night, spending your money watching this nonsense, right? you need your head testing because it's not real. It is theatre. It shouldn't be on sports channels, in my opinion, but it is. It is one of the biggest grossing sports entertainment brands in the entire world. So from a marketing point of view, you've got to basically take your hat off and applaud the team around Tyson Fury, whoever's jumped on the back of his love of this sport. And well, I say sport, this, this, this entertainment brand. And it is a love because his little lad, 
Um, Tyson's little lad is a big fan. This is where all this started. Tyson was taking the family along to an event, and because he was going to an event, next thing you know, he's there in the crowd getting involved with all this stuff. And now he's obviously going to be competing at one of their events. Now, here's my take on it, all right? As I said, it's a new audience. It's an opportunity to expose Tyson Fury to a new audience that don't necessarily maybe watch boxing. This crown jewel thing that he's going to be competing in is a pay-per-view event. Mm -hmm. That pay-per-view event is on Sky. Now, Tyson Fury is a BT sport fighter, all right? Now, imagine this, where he's on rolling news 24-7 at this moment in time. He's not even signed to Sky Sports as his main broadcaster here in the UK, but they're talking about him. They're promoting him. They're showing him in all the living rooms that have a, a have a skybox. And those wrestling fans that are going to be paying this pay-per-view money to watch Tyson Fury do it, not just in the UK, but across over in the States, where his fight with Wilder, his second fight, is going to take place, they're going to see this guy. Yeah. And you never know. They might fall in love with him, and they might be intrigued by him, because i tell you what's going to happen. Ringside in Saudi Arabia... Deontay Wilder is going to be there. 100% he is going to be there. And after this mess about, this hugging match with this whatever he's called, Strawman or whatever, you bet your bottom dollar Deontay Wilder is going to be in that ring. Him and Tyson Fury are going to have a back and forth. This is all going to happen on Sky Sports box office here in the UK, Fox box office over in the States. Everybody's going to see it. And then what's going to happen? They're going to announce that that fight's happening at some point next year. On BT Sport. I think this is absolutely brilliant marketing marketing genius to grow that brand. For everyone. For everyone all in you know, especially Tyson's brand. Tyson Fury's brand has just gone catastrophic. Stra catastrophic? Yes. That's not the right word. No, no. Stratospheric. Stratospheric. Well done, Here we mate. go. Well done. Um, purely on the back of the WWE because they've got a huge audience, global audience, and it's not necessarily the same audience that watches boxing. Um, and I, I just think it's an absolute masterstroke. On the WWE on Sky rather than BT thing though. Yeah. Here's where BT win. Because as of January yes. the 1st, 2020, WWE is actually going to BT. Yes. And if you think this thing with Strowman is a one-off for Tyson, you're absolutely mental. This is the beginning. Yes. Tyson Fury will not have a one fight in Saudi Arabia with Strowman. He will do this with Strowman, hopefully come back to boxing. Correct. Win the belt off... Deontay Wilder would be the ideal world, obviously. But I think we could see... He'll be at WrestleMania. Tyson fight at WrestleMania as yeah. well. Now, that'll depend on whether it's either Brock Lesnar, yeah. who's the heavyweight champion, or Cain Velasquez, the former UFC champion, who actually fights Brock. On the same night. I keep night. saying fights. <laughs> Goes head-to-head -head with Brock on the same night in Saudi Arabia. So, it, the, it's the, for the first time, the WWE have managed to bring... The UFC and the best of boxing together with WWE all on one night. It's absolutely phenomenal for them. It's huge. But it is just the beginning. Now, in terms of what, what Frank was saying there, he was concerned about injuries. I get that. Because injuries are massive in WWE. If you look down at the history of their fighters, the amount of broken necks, broken backs, broken knees. They're only having a tickle. It's not real, mate. Nobody's hurting anybody. Don't get it. Listen. I, I refuse to buy into that. Honestly, I refuse to buy into that. Now, I know what you're saying. At the end of the day, these guys are playing out to a script. Yeah. But wrestlers, 
the stuff they put their bodies through is unbelievable, especially the guys that wrestle twice a week. Like a lot of these W, this Strowman guy, as far as I know, he's not he's not Brock Lesnar who just rocks up for WrestleMania or for Raw or for these big Saudi events. This Strowman guy, like most of the WWE mm. roster, fights at least once a week, competes, sorry, entertains once a week. His body gets put through the ringer. So there is a real, listen, these are two guys, 250-odd pounds, six foot whatever, who are going to power slam each other. I don't care how much practicing you do. And by the way, a friend of a friend of mine works at the WWE training center in Orlando where, where the wrestlers basically go to rehearse routines. And certainly the guys who are trying to break into the mm. WWE, like, you know, main roster, they go there and they train for years and everything else. That's where Tory, uh, Tyson and his family are going to be based. They're going to be based in Orlando for the next few weeks. He's going to be training there, getting ready for this fight with Strowman. This it's fight. not a fight. This 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 performance performance. Yeah, with Strowman. But listen, you better believe Tyson Fury. The size he is, him getting thrown around, jumping off the top rope, flipping about. Injuries are very real, especially because Tyson's body has never done this kind of thing before. And that'd be the worst case scenario. Imagine if, okay, he's obviously going to beat Strowman in, in Saudi Arabia. We know that. That's, that's a <laughs> that's given. In, that's in the script. That's a given. But there's, what isn't in the script is the fact that when he tosses this guy around and slams him on his back and everything else, that, that Tyson isn't going to break a finger or pull a muscle in his back or rupture knee ligaments or where still do something bad to his neck because it could be the end of his boxing career. I, I can get where Frank's coming from. This doesn't feel like the right time. I need Fury to prove to the world that he's the best heavyweight on the planet, what we've been saying for the last couple of years since he came back. Nah. I don't need him in there potentially getting injured for Now, it's not how the world works, though. This is not how the world works now. And we need to stop thinking of how it's always been. And everybody yeah. looks at it. Well, it's always been this way. All the, all the very best have never done this. Why is he going off and doing this? Well, Rocky did it. Yeah, well, against Thunderlips. <laughs> We've seen Floyd knocking about in it. We've seen Mike Tyson, Tyson in there. We've even uh-huh. seen Muhammad Ali. But again, it didn't really, wasn't really at the, the legacy part of no, their careers. No, no, it wasn't, right? No. It wasn't. But times have changed. And yeah. the, the big rhetoric, the... If we, if we go back to November of last year, when Tyson Fury fights Deontay Wilder, it's a great fight. Everybody loves it. Everybody listening to this who's a proper fight fan goes, whoa, unbelievable. Deal me in for a second one. Yeah. However, the problem was, off the back of that, is that the business guys looked at that fight and saw, oh, it only did 300,000 pay-per-view buys. And if you're comparing that to other fights that are going on in and around, I know Floyd's an enigma and he makes his own numbers up at this moment in time, but the likes of Canelo's doing high numbers. Mm. We're talking about a heavyweight championship in America. Heavyweight championships in America normally generate big numbers and they didn't do it that particular time, whether it's because neither of those guys had profiles at the time, that's what a lot of people thought. So ESPN come along with Bob Aaron and Top Rank, they get older Tyson Fury and they start building a superstar. They're sticking him on chat shows to talk about mental health. I mean, all right, he's had two... Tin can fights people would class as this year against uh, Tom Schwartz and Otto Wallen. But it was more about the show. It was more about Tyson Fury. It was more about coming out d- dressed as uh, Apollo Creed and his sombrero hat and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff in order to put him in front of people that hadn't seen him before. ESPN's in 80 million homes in the United States of America. That job's near enough done. It's ticked. But now where they're at is going, well, let's just push it just a little bit further because he has got that cut in his eye. It's going to keep him out till probably May. Yeah. yeah. So let's push this a little bit further. Let's, and I, I see no problem whatsoever no. in a guy who is earning a few quid, doing what he absolutely loves in order to earn even more money doing what he absolutely loves for the same job. We'd all do the same thing. We'd all like to go to work and get paid more money for doing the exact same job, wouldn't we? Absolutely. And that's all he's doing. He's building that brand in order to do that. And if he can, if he can, well, a lot of people might 
take offence with what I'm about to say. If he can con a few wrestling fans to come over and watch a bit of boxing. Yeah, but it's not it's not conning wrestling fans to come and watch boxing. No. Because wrestling fans aren't there. You know, everyone over the age of 14 who watches wrestling understands that it's choreographed. They understand that. They, do they? Yeah, of course they do. I They're speak to them and the they think it's real. No, don't be silly. It's, exactly, it's like you. you're watching a soap opera. You know, it's like you're watching Strictly. Con- it's all fixed. It's You know what? Who's going to win it, really? It's all, you know, it's... <laughs> I just blew strictly off the water. Yeah, you are right. Yeah, yeah. But it's, like, it's basically like watching a soap opera. It's like watching East End. All right, then. If, all right, then. If he entices some wrestling fans to come over and spend a few quid, right? Yeah. To come and watch That's him. That's the key. To come and watch him fight in the in the real world of boxing against yes. Deontay Wilder, and that then takes his pay per view buys from three hundred thousand to a million. It's worked, hasn't it? A hundred percent. And you know, and in a weird kind of way. Isn't Eddie Hearn doing the same thing with KSI and Logan Paul? Yes. This is another thing. We'll talk about this a little later on. The KSI-Logan Paul thing. Eddie Hearn's not interested in that fight. Forget no that. One is. He, he is not interested in that fight. First of all, he's interested in the business side of it and how much money that generates. Mm-hmm. But then what he's doing, he's leveraging that audience in order to build profiles for Billy Joe Saunders and Devin Haney. That is what he's doing. Yeah. He's, he's not saying, oh, let's get some YouTubers and have a scrap. No, he's not. He's using their audience in order to promote other fighters. That's the real reason why he's there. Mm-hmm. And that's, what the, that's why I have no problem with that. And I have no problem with this Tyson Fury going and having a bit of a dance in Saudi Arabia and hopefully growing his brand and his audience for this Wilder fight. As long as we get the Wilder fight. That's, that's my whole yes, point. Yes, me too. But listen, as much as you know, I'm I'm over fourteen, so I, I, I'm not a fan of wrestling anymore. I was when I was a kid. I'm not now. Mm. But I get Frank. That's my fear as well. It's like I know he's got to keep himself busy. I know this PR thing's a, a, a real good thing, especially in America. Well, globally, actually, with WWE. Do you think there's also a, a tingy bit of hypocrisy here as well? Because the fight's happening in Saudi Arabia. You know, he, d- he did fire quite a few bullets in the way of Anthony Joshua fighting Andy Ruiz in Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia. And now here we have Tyson going back to, going to Saudi Arabia as well. It's, it's you know, come on. <laughs> it is what it is. Everyone's cashing out in Saudi Arabia this year, it seems. That's where the money is. Um, we've mentioned KSI. We've mentioned Logan Paul. We're going to talk about it next. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. So here we are, we are in the big build-up now, KSI. You look fantastic. Proper fighter now, not an internet (laughs) athlete. Of course, man. Uh, I put in the work, man. I put in the work whenever I'm training, so yeah, I'm excited for this fight. It's incredible to witness the atmosphere here at the Troxy. You know what it's like having 20-odd million subscribers, fans. You're you're universally recognised. But to have your athletic feats celebrate, celebrated must feel special yeah i i mean you know like my whole career i've always just seen hard work as the main priority being consistent and working hard that's how you guarantee success and i feel like i've constantly done that so so it's the uk versus america Mm -hmm. tell us what you're going to do to logan paul come november the 9th at the staples center uh november the 9th i'm knocking him out uh round five by round five, he's going to be knocked out. And uh, yeah, there's nothing he can do about it. He can lift as many logs or trees or tires as he wants. He's getting finished. Is he going to be hugging them after you finish with him? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what he's going to be doing. I don't really care what he's going to be doing. You don't like him, do you? No, I do not. I do not like Logan. And I've heard rumors that you'd like to beat up his brother afterwards in a boxing I ring. I feel like that makes sense. Uh, you for perhaps bringing a new audience to boxing mm. 
um, because that's really what you're doing. It's not necessarily a boxing audience. Yeah. And, uh, and from the boxing industry, we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, obviously, you know, there's been people saying, oh, this is a disgrace. And there's been people saying, like, this is fantastic for the sport. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you'll see the boxing prowess uh, with me and how I, how I am, how I fight him. And you understand that, you know, I'm taking this seriously. And I'm not just going there to scrap. I'm going there to box him and then knock him out. Bragging rights to melt the internet, eh? Well, I mean, <laughs> me, knocking out, me knocking him out gives me content for my YouTube channel. <laughs> Forever. For, for Forever. a very long time. That's great, Bragging rights. Lovely to see you. Cheers. Likewise. Thank you. It's not boxing as we know it, is it? Uh, Gareth A. Davis talking to uh, KSI a little earlier on this week. Gareth also caught up with his opponent, Logan Paul. They began uh, by talking about the hostile reception the UK fans are giving the American. Can you believe the atmosphere that follows you both around? I've been in the boxing and fight industry a long time. It reminds me of Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor when they came here. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be honest, bro. They, they locked me up in this green room. So is it exciting out there? They are abusing you a little bit. In what way? Like throwing acid and stuff? I mean, their parents, no, not that bad. I mean, I hope their parents all know where they are tonight, yeah? Oh. But, and I'm old enough to say that, but they're using a lot of bad words. Oh, f y'all. <laughs> How old are they? Probably 15, 18, 19, 20. You know, you're, a lot of your subscriber base. Oh, yeah. You're in a mood for trouble with KSI tonight, I can tell. He's really edgy tonight, I've noticed. I think something could kick off, no? Maybe, bro. I don't know. I'm going to yoss this man. Like, I'm going to light his feet on fire and, like, put him in some water. He told me a little while ago he's going to knock you out come November the 9th. Oh, Stay oh. Do you think you're going to knock him out? Yeah, duh. I'll give you two rounds. What I will say is that you're both in incredible physical shape. What? He is? No, you both are. But he is? Trash bag in the edge. <laughs> Hefty so is listen, a try. You're, you're, you're on form here. Um, is this um, is this a kind of not fun because you're both taking it so seriously after the first fight? But is this the way forward for sports entertainment that you guys come from all types of spheres and want to prove yourselves? Probably fighting is the toughest thing on earth to do. Yeah, uh, I don't think it is the the way forward. I don't. I, I have to give JJ props in that. He wants it, and he knows how to work hard. I don't think a lot of celebrities are willing to do, to do that. I happen to be able to do that. My brother happens to be able to do that. But uh, finding people with the level of success that you know some of these top creators have achieved, who are also willing to drop all that to become a a, a professional fighter, is is rare. I'm not sure it'll happen again very much in the future. That's oh, very interesting. And what's the inspiration behind the look tonight? I do like it. It's very kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of um, 1920s Parisian gangster kind of look. That's it, man. Uh, as you know now, I am a professional boxer, otherwise known as a pugilist. I'm a pugilist, so I... You are a prize fighter, my brother. Thank you very much indeed. Can't wait to see you fight on November the 9th. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you.
Uh, I'm, I most certainly can wait uh, to, to see him fight. I'm a little bit taken back, actually, by uh, the conversations there with uh, KSI and Logan Paul. I've never heard of them. I've never, in, I've never had the fortune uh, of interviewing either of them. Um, I think I've been on record this week on, uh, on TalkSport saying I could not care less whatsoever uh, about this fight. I'm more interested. This is my take on it. And I know there's be a lot of people listening uh, to the show right now who are thinking, what are you doing? What, why are you even entertaining this nonsense? Listen, the reason why I'm entertaining it is because I'm fascinated by it as an event. What pull does the, the, the YouTube subscription guys, these guys, let, let, let's be straight, these are now in a lot of our homes, a lot of our kids are preferring to watch YouTube channels than actually watch normal television. Mm-hmm. That's where people are consuming their content. So I'm fascinated with the development of content and where people are consuming it and how they're consuming it and where they're getting it from. And I'm fascinated to see whether two guys from the world of YouTube can come together, headline a boxing event, which we all love, boxing events, and how that then affects boxing going forward, whether this is a watershed moment. Listen, it might not be. It might just be absolutely rubbish. But if we look down history, there's always a moment, there's always a watershed moment. This might be it. And as I said right at the start of the show, the way that I'm looking at this is as a marketing event for the likes of Billy Joe Saunders and Devin Haney, two guys that we're big fans of who are going to be randomly on the undercard of this fight and how that then affects their audience going forward in America. As a fight, though, KSI Logan Paul is a lot of trash. I want to go on record and saying that. I, I could not care less about it. Well, it's white collar, isn't it? You know, these, these guys have got no amateur experience. So in reality, neither of them would be able to get a license to box in the UK as professionals because they've got zero amateur experience. You can't just walk straight in. You can't just walk up to the British Boxing Board of Control and apply for a professional boxing license and, and get it straight away. You know, you have to go through, especially with no amateur experience mm. or, or no fight experience at all. You've got you've to really prove yourself that you can handle yourself inside the ring. Obviously, things are slightly more lax over in California, over in America, where money talks a lot more than than safety, necessarily. But listen, both these guys have, have, in inverted commas, boxed before. They fought each other in the UK. That was properly white-collar because it was an entertainment. They weren't. It wasn't on their professional record because they weren't professional boxers. But it still sold out 21,000 tickets at the Manchester Arena. And it generated, you know, over £10 million in revenue. Um, and I think the last time I looked, the, the website, KSI versus Logan Paul own YouTube channel, which they set up together to sell that fight, had had over 100 million views. Yeah. So So they've generated a ton of cash just off from, the views from itself. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So they've absolutely made a fortune. And that's why Eddie Haynes got involved. That's why Zone have got involved. And no doubt that's why Sky Sports have gone, wow, we'll put it on pay-per-view for the tender as well. Because everybody wants to cash in. You know, it's kind of like free money. Mm. And listen, I think it's... It's kind of weird because Billy Joe left Frank Warren for the big fights. For the big time, I think he was told, wasn't he? When he, when he made that sign into Matchroom, welcome to the big time, was the actual rhetoric. But then again, this might be... A, listen, I don't know, but as far as exposure goes, this may well be the biggest fight of his career in terms yeah. of more people might watch this fight with Billy Joe in than has ever watched Billy Joe before. And the numbers would suggest that will be the case. Mm. Now, whether that's... You know, twelve-year-old kids in Oklahoma watching it via their streaming thing on their Xbox, who are just tuning in for the main guys, and then catching the back end of Billy Joe Saunders before the fight finishes, and going, "Actually, yeah, um, I've watched KSI versus Logan Paul. I've got what I wanted out of that." Two YouTube guys who I've followed for years that I'm big fans of. Yes, there's finally a winner there because they had that draw in Beta <laughs> Commons in Manchester. How fitting! 
But they might go, but I actually enjoyed the fight side of it. I'm going to join a local boxing gym. I like that Billy Joe Saunders guy. He was cool. Yeah. I'm going to watch him again. And that's obviously the knock-on effect that we want. Listen. And that's why I'm fascinated in it. Exactly. This this fight, KSI, Logan Paul, I couldn't give a monkey's about JJ's it. JJ's actually a nice lad. I'm not, I'm not I, I spent a day with JJ nice. a few months ago and, um, at the start of his camp. Uh, J, uh, He's KSI. KSI. Yeah, yeah, his real name. You know, his, his name's JJ. And I spent a, a good few hours with him, uh, chatting to him and... The mad thing was, I asked him, you know, obviously you must be a massive boxing fan then. And he was like, no. He's only actually been to, before he fought, he'd only actually been to one boxing match before. And it was because he was a successful YouTuber. He'd seen on YouTube, everyone was talking about uh, Mayweather versus Pacquiao. And he said, oh yeah, okay, well I'll go to Las Vegas and sit ringside for Mayweather Pacquiao. I've never been to boxing before. I'll see what everyone's talking about. And he actually left before the final bell, he told me, because he got that bored. He said, I, just, I didn't get into it and I thought, why is everyone excited? This fight's rubbish. And he left before the end of the fight, Mayweather versus Pacquiao. That was his first ever interaction with boxing. He's not a boxing guy. He's a, and I, I'm, I'm, I'd hazard a guess that Logan Paul's the same. He's a computer video game slash YouTube came along at the right time kind of guy. That's how he's made his millions. Fascinating. It's crazy. This is the world we're living in right this moment in time. Let's hope that Billy Joe Saunders and people like Devin Haney can cash in on their audience and uh, uh, and be able to move the uh, sport forward. Um, we're probably going to talk about it a lot more over the of the upcoming weeks because I've no Gareth doubt. That sounded like he was into oh, it. Oh, Gareth's anyway. in, mate. Gareth. Wow. Gareth's got the t shirt and everything. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the half and half scarf. Yeah. Um, I caught with David Hay this week. Uh, we talked all things Derek Chisora. We actually talked a little bit about YouTube as well, with David obviously experiencing times in uh, the jungle and how reality television can help careers and what have you. Uh, it's all coming up next on Fight Night. This is Talk Sport. <laughs> Uh, still to come on the show, you're going to hear from Josh Taylor and Josh Warrington, Carl Frampton and Molly McCann right now, though. Uh, time to hear uh, from a man that I caught up with a little earlier on this week. I caught up with the haymaker, the former heavyweight champion, the former unified cruiserweight champion, David Hay, uh, at the hotel that he resides in. I'm not telling, telling you about it. That's how the other half live. Uh, we spoke about uh, boxing mixing with reality TV and Nigel Benn's return to the ring. Lots to talk about. We will probably talk boxing... We will probably talk poker. I want to talk about reality TV, first of all, if that's all right. Okay. Because the the landscape of boxing seems to be changing quite a lot. We've got KSI against Logan Paul. Yeah. Um, and we've got various other things happening in the game. I want to get your perspective on how reality TV can grow profile and therefore how boxers can then use that to their advantage in the boxing game. You were a champion, mm-hmm. retired. Went in the jungle, came out. I didn't technically retire before I went in the jungle. Well, oh, well, talk I wasn't to... retired. I was kind of out with injury. I hadn't made the formal uh, retirement. After the Derek Chisora fight in 2012, I think it was, I then wasn't able to get, obviously I had the Tyson Fury mm. um, injuries and I had some surgeries. And it was a move going into the jungle that, I wasn't that sure about. I, I, they'd asked me to do it for probably six or seven years, and I'd always just said no. I'm an athlete. I'm not a celebrity. I never really put myself in that um, realm. And it just one one thing led to another. I went in the. I went in there. Really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Recommend anyone to do it once at least. But what it did do, it opened me up to a completely different demographic. You know. 
women who don't have Sky Sports, who don't watch, who don't look at the back pages, mm -hmm. you know, kids who got, don't know anything about boxing, probably couldn't name you any boxers. I still get it. People come up to me and say, oh, yeah, you, you know, that guy was in the jungle. I'm like, yeah, I, I did that a few years back. But I was unified cruiserweight champion yeah, as well. You know? I know, but they, they, they don't know that. So I understand. I definitely feel it would be a good marketing um, angle for, you know, if there's a young boxer um, who's got, who's maybe had 10, 15 fights, goes into Love Island or the Jungle or yeah. Big Brother, one of these funny TV shows, it'll really get you, you, get you out there, get your brand out there and you build a following. And once your following's out there, you can then sell tickets. And if you do fight on pay-per-view, like Logan Paul and KSI have found out, there's millions and millions of pounds in the pot for you, potentially, yeah. if you can bring in the eyeballs. Do you wish that you would have done it earlier in your career? Because that, that? going into a reality TV show like that and maybe building a brand away from the world of boxing, because in the world of boxing, you had the brand, yeah. but away from it, maybe not necessarily until you did that. And then that comeback fight, I mean, that took my breath away, the yeah. demographic that was in the yeah. O2 that night. Yeah, it was a little different for me, but I, I started off on BBC. Yeah. So there's a, there's a paywall at the moment, you know, if you want, you know, uh, Box Nation or BT or... Sky, there's a lot of even America to disown. There's a there's a pay there's a there's a paywall, and you need to get someone hooked before they put their money in. And you know the, the reality TV is it seems accessible. It's online. Is you can watch it on terrestrial television. That's where you get the um, the connection. I was fortunate enough to come at come at a time where it was I used to box for free basically on on BBC. Anyone with a television set could have watched me. Little different now. And um, we still got some shows on um, Channel Five. Yeah. You know, so ITV sort of dabbled here and there. So um, I, I'm not sure. No, nah, because I've always been quite a private person. So when you do do these television reality shows, you're you're putting yourself really out there. And if you're a young guy and you want to do that, then I can understand why it'd be beneficial. But that, for me, no, I was I was a bit uncomfortable anyway doing it because I'd always people only saw me whether it was. At a press conference, at a weigh-in, I'd have my scripted thing that I'd say, the anger I'd come at this fight is I'm going to give it loads of large, I'm going to say this and say that and wind them up. I'm going to say this thing in the press and everything was quite controlled. But when you go into a television show like I'm a Celebrity, you're at the mercy of how they edit it. You know, out of a 24-hour period, there's only probably 30 minutes of actual dialogue between everybody. Then you're one of 15 people and there's so many different ways they can cut it to make you sound like an idiot, to make you sound really overconfident, make you sound a bit weak, make you sound funny, make you sound stupid. They can cut it however they want and it's not in your control and I didn't like the lack of control. Fortunately, whoever's doing the editing edited it really, really well because I, I came across all right apparently. So it worked out okay for me, but I can understand why other people have been stitched up pretty bad or felt they've been stitched up. Plus you were already world champion. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was world champion and had been world champion when I went in there. So it wasn't like I was an up and coming fighter. I was already well established yeah. in the sports world. And then after I'd been out for a, a couple of years, I then went in there and it just it really made a difference in terms of my endorsements. And even when it came to time for ticket sales for my yeah. shows, a lot more people would come and pay and watch me fight. And on, on, on box office as well, the numbers are through the roof. So I. If you get if you get it right and can control the narrative, I definitely think it's something that um, sport in general are going to try and get on board. No, absolutely. Um, so, what's your take then 
coming from the other angle of two young lads who are obviously doing extremely well in the social media game in, in the world of YouTube, KSI yeah. and Logan Paul, and now using boxing as a vehicle in order to obviously maximise their income. I think it's great. I like it. I like it. The fact that they're willing to have a professional boxing match. The last one was kind of like a staged event where they had big yeah. gloves and head guys. No one was really going to get hurt. But it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. It was like, okay, they, they clearly have both put in some time and effort and work. And you can see it in their bodies. You can see it in their determination. And um, I'm looking forward to this next one. You know, I'm not looking forward to it like I'm looking forward to, you know, El Spence and Porter. And it's not that type of fight. It's just like the the intrigue. Who's going to win? You know, you've got a guy, KSI, who, who lives quite close to me. And um, he's going there fighting the biggest YouTube sensation in the States. You've got the best of the, best of the British versus best of the United States. So... It's it's nice. It's a novelty. It's a novelty. Yeah. It's a novelty thing. I think people need to calm down. You know, does it not just cement where boxing's at at this moment in time? How popular it is that everybody wants to get involved with it? It's, it's, it cements where the world is at. This is what's happening in the world right now. You know, these you, you, the biggest actors. You could be the greatest actor in the world, but you know, some of the people who are making the most money in the acting realm aren't traditional actors they're people who have built brands around their personality and have now catapulted themselves into a different sport and into a different realm and I, that's just the way it is you know there is some purists to be disgusted by how can you have two guys headlining a show and they've never had one amateur fight but i'm like yeah but you're gonna get maybe a million people paying t 10 pound or whatever it is to watch a fight name me one other fighter on the undercard or if you combine all of the fighters on the undercard and what they generated in their last fight, it won't equate to what the pay-per-view will be for Logan and KSI's buyers. Going back then to obviously making decisions to come back to boxing, mm. we've had Nigel Ben recently make that decision. What's your take on that as a 55-year-old man who's achieved everything in, that the game had to offer? Mm. He's having one more for closure in his words. If he wants closure, let him have closure. You know, every, you know, people treat boxing differently than they treat tennis. It's like... Andre Agassi saying, oh, I want to come back and have a, another match against someone else who else has retired. No one's going, no, this is a disgrace. This is terrible. You're embarrassing yourself to sport. So, okay, let me see what you got. You know, I remember how you used to be 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Let's see what you got now. It's quite inspirational looking at a 55-year-old man looking in such good condition. Let's see you have a fight against someone else. Who is it? Who's he fighting? This Saki Obika, who's Saki forty. Obika. Yeah, so he's fighting. Yeah, Obika's only just been. He's only been retired two years. Though. I think that's where the concern it's from fans fight. are, isn't it? It's a tough fight. It's a tough fight for Ben, but Ben isn't about the easy fights. Just look at Ben's resume. Look at the fact you know Ron Barkley going over to the states and you know knocking him out in a couple of rounds. He's Gerald McLennan. He was a massive underdog. Listen, Nigel Ben is one of my favorite all-time fighters ever ever every any country i grew up watching him he's one massive massive inspiration to me you know if he wants to have a boxing match for whatever reason he wants to have good luck to you i hope it goes really well and i hope you get from it whatever it is you, you wanted to get from it you know you might get a broken nose you might get knocked out or you might knock someone else out who cares he's a tough guy i've seen him Saki Beaker isn't going to do anything that hasn't happened to him in his career. I remember the state of him after the Joe McLennan fight. He was in bits. He had literally the life punched clean out of him. He'd managed to get a couple of fights after that. But I remember thinking, I've never seen a human being come through such, uh, such a beating 
to win a fight. It was so inspirational. So, and, uh, and anytime I'm having struggles in my life, I think back to what he had to go through in that fight. That first round, oh, and he came back. If He can do whatever. He can fight when he's 150. I don't care. As long as he wants to do it. He, some people are designed to be on the battlefield and some people aren't. Whether he's in his prime now or not, which he ain't. But who cares? You know, everyone said George Foreman was mental when he said he was going to come back and fight for the heavyweight title at 45 years old. Has it? You know, he was 30, I think, when he fought, when he lost in Zaire, Africa to Ali. 45 years old against a 28-year-old um, Michael Moore. He had no chance of winning that fight. He goes and knocks him out. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. You know, George Foreman, if you're a legend, you're a legend. I'm not saying Ben's going to come back and be world champion. He can come back and have a boxing match. You know, they, what, what's the rule? Is it a, is it a proper, is it 10-ounce gloves? And yeah, It's a proper knock. It's, it's a proper a, It's knock. sanctioned by the British and Irish Boxing Board, yeah. With it then, yeah. as a former fighter, does the fire ever go out? Or do you always have in the back of your mind, no, it, oof, it I fancy out, it? Yeah, it goes, I don't look at people now and think, ah, oh, I want to fight you. I don't really no. get it. I don't really get that. I don't, don't really get that at all you know I sit, i'm watching it and i'm thinking could i beat you i was like i could <laughs> but not now i look at me i think i could beat you and if i if my life depended on it and i had to do it i think i could do it but i'm like but why what's the point and you know when it when it gets to the point where you've got other stuff in your life that's more important than you winning and losing against someone else then it's like why are you doing it you know once you once you once you believe you've taking it as far as you're going to take it and it definitely feels like I've pushed my body as far as my body can go I think you saw it unraveling yeah. in your very eyes and that was entertainment for a lot of people people loved that it's like, oh, you're so, I loved your later fights when you've fallen apart and your legs snapped <laughs> it was so exciting I'm like yeah, I'm glad you liked it but that's it you know you got I know that's it you know my style isn't sort of hobbling around everywhere that, that's not what no. I do that's not when I do my best work but strangely a lot of people found it fantastic entertainment and if I was to fight again they'd say don't do it but we're going to watch it because yeah, yeah, yeah. you never know your arm might fall off next time and you've got to fight with one arm one leg you know one eye you know so David Hay catching up uh, with him a little earlier on this week uh, at uh, the hotel that he resides in. I also uh, had a little bit of a chinwag with him about the man that he is uh, currently managing, Derek Chisorin. You can hear part two of my conversation with David Hay next on TalkSport. Don't call it a comeback. It's fine now on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me. Uh, time for the second part of my chat with David Hay. In this part, we talk about Chisora versus Price and the sacrifices fighters make to achieve greatness within the sport. Obviously, working with Derek, we've uh, had the information this week that his opponent has changed. It has. The, uh, the Joseph Parker fight, winning that, puts him in a certain yeah. category of next that, fights. Yeah, that, that would have been... If a, a win against Joseph Parker would have for sure catapulted um, Derek Chisora right to the top of the list as Joseph Parker obviously is the guy to yes. knock out Anthony Joshua so that's a good scalp take that off the table you've got yourself a 6 foot 9 Liverpudlian David Price who's very very dangerous heavy handed and very fan friendly he's either going to knock you out or he's going to get knocked out himself and people love that yeah. and he's got a big fan base he's a very very nice man Great guy. I actually um, signed him out of the amateurs today, make promotions you know, many, many years ago in 2009. And uh, I've sparred with him countless rounds. He's come over to 
basically lived in Cyprus with me when I was training out there. And um, he's a very, very good Olympic bronze medalist, you know, won the Commonwealth Games. He's a good, good, solid fighter who's been around. He's never quite got to that next level. You know, he got to sort of fringe world, like world, t- world title level, but he's never been, never just gone past that one. And he, he wants he wants the opportunity. And to beat Derek Chisora, you know, that'll really get get him out there and is the, the springboard he needs. So I know he's going to be coming all guns blazing. Derek, you know... What's can't... the game for Derek? Because I can see the game for Pricey, no is question. Derek, Derek has the opportunity to continue his mission. His mission is to prove to everybody he's lost nine fights. And people, listen, you lost nine fights and you're in a big pay-per-view show. I'm like, look at his recent performances. You know, even the fight he lost against Dylan White, he was winning. Yeah. He was really, really pushing the, pushing the pace. Um, his fights against Sainer Gashi, that wasn't that great. But the Artur Spilka fight, he was a massive underdog. Many, many people in the game said it was the wrong fight to take. Tricky Southpaw. Deontay Wilder couldn't knock him out till the ninth round when yeah. they fought. You know, you know, Derek struggles with southpaws as he did in the fight prior to that against Senegashi. But he, ro- he rose to the occasion. He realised the pressure was on. He realised, you know, people were doubting him. And somehow he, he went into another gear that people haven't really seen before. I agree with that yeah. because he seems to rise when he's the underdog. Yeah. But he'll, he'll be the favourite going into this, won't he? Will he'll, we get the same Derek? He'll, he'll be the favourite in this one. But also he sparred with uh, David Price before. Yeah. So he knows firsthand how tricky David Price is. His tall six foot nine length. He's going to need to put put it on David Price pretty quick, mm-hmm. and he's going to need to really, you know, drag David Price into a dogfight. And David Price is, you know, he's got a big heart. He lets his hands go. He's, you know, he's experienced now. He understands about you know nutrition and how to train to get the best out of himself. You know, he's tried coming in super light. He's tried to come in heavy. He's tra- he's he knows himself. He's a, he's a well established seasoned. Campaign. It sounds crazy saying that, but as I remember when he just turned professional. But now he's he's been around for years now. You know, he's been around for years. He's got a lot of experience, and he's he's somebody who you know on his day. I've always said it can cause anybody problems. Look what he did to Alexander Povetkin. You know, he nearly knocked him out. Hit him with that shot. Povetkin was out on his feet, and the bell rang, and and it kind of saved Povetkin. But it's a it's a tough tough night for for Derek. If he isn't 100% on the on the ball, if he doesn't walk to the ring and have the same intensity and intent as he had against um, Artur Spilka, he could find himself in a really awkward, uncomfortable position. And I think he knows that, which is good. As soon as the opponent, uh, as soon as the opponent switched from Parker to Price, I was a little worried, thinking, ah, you know, Price isn't considered as good as. Um, Parker, I'm thinking, is he going to take his foot off the pedal in terms of is he going to stop training or no? He hasn't. He's if anything, he's cranked it up. I think he's like, okay. He knows what he needs to do, so he's he's gone into another gear. So we, that was that was that was pleasant to see. As I wasn't sure how he had mentally deal with it, but he's he's, he's mentally dealt, dealt with it the right way. Mm-hmm. Have you managed to secure him a sponsorship deal with Vaseline? Working on it <laughs> at the moment. Working on it at the moment, and um, he's a uh, please. He's a little dry at the moment. He could, he could use a little lubrication. So let's hope they're going to come, come, come through with a, some sort of deal. Are you enjoying management? You seem to be. You seem to always have a smile yeah, on your face. I like, you I've, yeah, more I've always... I love boxing. It's a very complicated sport. Lots of different characters. There's lots of ups and downs. Lots of change of opponents last. You know, the sparring side I like. The... The, the training element is, is always interesting and you know I've got a lot of experience I've been there and yeah. done it for many many years so 
to, to, to see something that might become an issue and to say, oh, this happened to me before. Maybe we're going to go down this path here. And he goes, you sure? I say, yeah. And then when he does do it and he feels the benefits, it's nice to sort of embark, you know, sort of impart some of that experience, you know, good and bad that I've had over the years. You know, I've always been one to sort of, uh, my dad always said, those who don't listen must feel. And I've been feeling a lot over the years. As I, didn't, I know, never won for for listening, but Derek, Derek, credit to him, he he does listen, he does take on um, advice, and he does, you know, he, he makes the right right decisions. Maybe in the past he hasn't, but I think he's 35 now, and he's he knows this is his opportunity for for the big time. This is opportunity, you know, a couple of good wins, you know, a good win against um, David Price, you know, anything's possible. You saw Chaz Witherspoon get that shot against Alexander Usyk. Yeah. You saw Andy Ruiz Jr. get a shot five weeks notice against um, anti-Joshua and these guys you got sometimes you don't get a lot of notice sometimes you just need to be in the right position you know not only physically but you know politically and who you fault what how many wins you've had recently the caliber that you've won how you've won are you fan friendly for television are you pay-per-view worthy he's ticking the box he is right now so he's he knows if he stay lives healthy lives clean you know wins the fights in good fashion he, he could get that world title call up and that's when you know the unthinkable could happen just finally you achieved everything that you wanted to do in the boxing ring mm. unified not every, not well you know, you know what I mean you achieved yeah, yeah, world achieved title everything. status yeah, yeah. in two different weight categories yeah. um, high standards uh, ex- well yeah <laughs> but you did that and that was your own driving determination mm. where would it rank getting Derek to a world title shot Working alongside him, having been the he's been the Neely man for such a long period yeah. of time. Where would it rank now, getting him back to that level? I'd be, I'd be definitely be right up there because you know, if you look at where Derek was or how he was perceived, yeah. you know, a year and a half ago, to think that you know he'll be here, you know, co-main eventing a uh, <laughs> a Sky Box Office show and you know filling out the Oto Arena with Dylan White. You know, you'd you'd think it was you know, it'd be it'd mean a it'd mean a hell of a lot, and it's down it's down to although it will mean a lot to me, I know it would mean a lot more to Derek, and you know I've achieved my goals. I know what it felt like when I achieved my goals. I'd like him to have that feeling. I'd like him to to have that feeling. There's nothing worse than striving for something and it doesn't happen for whatever reason. It's horrible. But when you do achieve that get over that line and you achieve something that you've been working for your whole life all those amateur fights he's had all those British title fights all those crappy shows in Germany and all over the place and Russia and for him to now be fighting at the O2 Arena getting paid good money you know going a good training camp professional outfit and for him to fulfil his potential I think that's that for me is the that would be a massive buzz that would be a massive buzz even though he even the last fight when he fought, when he beat Artis Spilka, you know, because a lot of people doubted him, and a lot of people doubted me, everyone was saying, "Yeah, oh, you're doing the wrong thing, Dave." Yeah, you know, this guy. I'm like, "Don't worry, you can do it." And they're like, oh, yeah. "That was like, that was a night. It was nice to think, okay, I'm not mad. I I do know what I'm talking about." And that was just like, okay, Dave. There was, oh, you was right. I was like, I know a couple of things or two, you know. And um, but for him to get a world title fight. And for him to potentially win the world title fight, that's just on a whole nother, it's a whole nother planet. And you can only, you only, only deal with what you can that's in front of you. And um, I know you, it's always good to have a goal, a world heavyweight champion of the world. That's always a good, that's where you're aiming at. 
like in the short term, you're never going to get there if today isn't done, if you're not eating the right food, if you're not going to sleep tonight, you know, if you're not wrapping your hands right. There's a million different little things that stop you getting there. And by sometimes focusing too much on there, something small is missed and you then, you're off, you're off, off, off piece. So day to day is making sure that every, the right things are done, the right sparring's there, the right punch sequences you know there's so many different elements to boxing that many people are completely unaware of they don't see it you know armchair fans people who like like boxing don't understand the daily grind you know what does he how is his warm-up you know what type of warm-up is he doing is it a dynamic warm-up is he does he need to sit in a sauna for half an hour afterwards to look there's so many different things that can have an effect on not only the big picture but the next day because every day you need to be pushing that little bit harder but not so hard you get sick, but it's, just, it's a fine science. And it, and, I'm, and it feels like I'm kind of, you know, mistakes I've made in the past myself, I'm trying to make sure he doesn't make those same mistakes. And all the things that did work, I'm trying to get him to take those on board. And um, for him to, you know, get through this fight against David Price, which is a tricky fight. Every fight feels like a big victory. It really feels like a big victory. Because I've seen fights with Derek in the past where he hasn't, Rate risen to the occasion he hasn't been mentally on it but he seems to be in the right place where he needs to be uh, David Hare speaking to me a little earlier on this week on all aspects of boxing from KSI and Logan Paul to obviously uh, Derek Tizora versus David Price which is coming up on the undercard apologies it is the undercard it's the core main feature of uh, that world title unification between Josh Taylor and Regis Progre. And we've been catching up with both of those guys this week as well. And you're going to hear from them next on Talk Sport. Fight night on a Saturday night here on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Cattrall, Nick Pete alongside me. We are going to keep you up to date with everything that's going on in Leeds uh, when Josh Warrington does hit the ring uh, to defend his IBF uh, featherweight championship. And don't forget, if you've missed any part of the show so far, it will be available as a podcast for you. Loads of guests on the show. All you've got to do is subscribe via iTunes or via the Talk Sport website. Now, me and Nick are obviously excited about this. Uh, do you call it um, Junior Welter or Super Light? Which is uh, your re- reference to this weight division? Um, super lightweight these days, yeah. isn't it? It's all. I think it's super light. I'm just look, the reason why I say that is because Matt, who has uh, prepared the notes for tonight's show, has gone for uh, uh, light welter. He's obviously anti- old school. Well, no, I think he thinks he's American. He, he's is uh, <laughs> what he thinks he is. Um, and obviously, this is a unification in that division. Josh Taylor taking on Regis Progrès. That is the main event, the World Boxing Super Series final on October 26th at the O2 Arena uh, this week. James Savundra, one of our reporters, has been catching up with the IBF champ Josh Taylor, uh, and this is what he had to say. In terms of the fight against Progray, there's the Muhammad Ali trophy at stake, there's another world title belt at stage. What's your main motivation going into this fight? Just to win. To win. Uh, just keep my belt, take his belt. Um, that's it. It's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple uh, target and that's what I want to do. And you've said you're bigger than him, you've obviously much taller and you've got a longer reach as well. How much can you use those tools as an advantage? I think I can use them to my advantage, yeah, pretty, pretty easily. Um, I thought I've got better, I've got better timing than I'm better footwork, faster than him as well. So, um, yeah, I think I can use all my advantages to my advantage. <laughs> and you're going to be down at the O2, last two fights, the quarterfinal and the semi-final at Glasgow. So you must be hoping to take a fair few fans down from Glasgow and down from Scotland to support you at the O2. Yeah, I think there'll be a massive uh, 
Scottish contingency there, um, especially with myself and Ricky Burns fighting on the on the card. There will be a lot of people come down to London to support us. So yeah, I'm looking forward to um, putting on a good show in front of them all. Were you a bit disappointed by the way the press conference came about, the way Derek behaved in the press conference? It maybe took some of the gloss and some of the attention away from the main event. No, not at all. Um, you know, he, he. I know what he was doing. It was more of a publicity stunt for him. Um, Attempt at him from him to get more people interested in buying the pay-per-view, you know, and it probably worked. So, fair play to him. So the pro grade, what are you expecting from him? He was impressive in that semi-final, of course, an unbeaten fighter as well. So, when you face an unbeaten fighter, is it sometimes difficult to to see what chinks there are in the armour? I've seen a lot of chinks in him, um, and I'm, I'm not going to say them here to you here on here. But um, no, I've seen a lot of chinks in him, and I, I've seen a lot of things that I think I can expose. Um, yeah, he's done he done good against the relic. But he fought against a guy that had to lose over 40 pounds to get to the weight, just to get to the weight. Um, weight drained and looked old and fragile. So the first shot I hit him with, it was game over, you know. So he he, he got the job done. It's fair play to him, but it wasn't a, a, a live opponent in there. Can we expect much trash talk, much the rivalry to build in fight week? Uh, not from me, you know. I'm just I'm just ready to fight. I can't be bothered with you know talking trash with somebody face to face fighting I'd rather just go and fight him there and then I'm ready to fight now so um, I just want to get in there and do the job now In terms of that chief support Chisora against David Price that was announced yesterday yeah. what a fight that's going to be building up to the main event Yeah, yeah I think that's a great fight you know um, a lot of people saying Price is going to get chinned and this and that and you know and actually it's it's very it's very like it's very possible that it could happen you know um, because of Pricey's past, past record but with his chin but also Pricey is a great boxer his last couple of fights he's, he's shown his boxing ability and and, uh, and hardly taken a punch and, and real, real nice and been busy and, and powerful so it could go the other way he could, he could box that way and he could knock out Chisora so you never know it's a real it's a real interesting fight so yeah it'll be, it'll be good to watch that one but I won't be able to because I'm on next but um, it'll be it's a real interesting fight when does the adrenaline start kicking in? Is it on the on the day itself, or are you still feeling it now, two weeks ahead of the fight? No, no, no I'm nice and calm and relaxed at the minute, um, you know, because when you start thinking about it this far out and getting the adrenaline, you just burn energy. So, um, no, I'm nice and relaxed, and I'll, I'll probably start tuning in, like in the weigh-in, like the sort of weigh-in day. That's when I'll start tuning into to fight mode and uh, changing my mentality and mindset. Finally, we saw the press conference KSI v Logan Paul on Monday. What's your thoughts on this? Because from a business point of view, it, it seems to be sensible. But, of course, these guys aren't really professional boxers, although they are going to get licences for this fight. Yeah, I think it's... If, in one way, it's great for the sport in terms of um, growing the popularity of the sport and getting a different audience involved and, and interested in the sport. Um, all the young kids that are going to YouTube and watch these guys might then take an interest... In boxing, which is great, um, but on the other half, I think it's a, 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 a kind of a bad reflection on the sport as well because you've got two guys that have never boxed before in their lives. Um, they're YouTubers; they maybe do a bit uh, training and stuff, and look in good shape. But they're now tapping into a profession, which is a dangerous sport, and they've, they've not got any experience. They're fighting with the, the gloves on, the, eight the 10 ounce or 8 ounce, whatever they're wearing, 10 ounce horseshoe gloves on, no head guards, and one of them could potentially get really hurt and you know, and they're making a bit of a mockery of it, you know, they're making it into a bit of a circus and 
um, and, and they've never boxed before in their life, you know. But it's it's a little bit you don't take it too seriously. But you know, it's, it's good for the sport in one way, but bad for it in another way. I think. Uh, Josh Taylor speaking to James Savundra a little earlier on this week ahead of his world title unification against Regis Pogre uh, on October 26th. Just a quick one on this, by the way. Regis Pogre is coming to join us in the studio next Saturday. Uh, so make sure you're tuning in uh, to TalkSport for that. And I think Kala Saula uh, will be joining us as well, who is obviously uh, one of the main promoters behind the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, so we'll talk to those boys about their half of this particular fight on next week's show. Uh, but if you're, a, if you're a kid listening to this right now, well, maybe you're tuning into the podcast because you've downloaded it and you're thinking of maybe blagging your mum or your dad to pay a, a pay-per-view for KSI Logan Paul. Don't. What I would recommend, if you, if you want someone to, or you want to go and watch a pay-per-view, this is the fight that you should be blagging them to go and pay for, <laughs> right? Because this fight, Josh Taylor, Regis Pagray, is the best fight that is going to happen on British soil this year. Yep. I'm telling you now, it is going to be unbelievable. My mouth is watering at the prospect of it. And I know that, obviously, Pricey and Chisora on the undercard. We've mentioned Ricky Burns, haven't we, against Selby on the undercard. There's some great fights on the undercard. But this main event, to unify this division, these two fighters who have both got sensational stories... They, neither of them take a backward step. Nope. I think it's going to be absolutely sensational. How impressed have you been with the development and the speed of the development of Josh Taylor from turning over as a fantastic amateur into the professional game? It's been absolutely meteoric, to be honest with you. And uh, it's it shocked me how well he's taken to the pro game. You know, I, I remember Josh back when he was an amateur in floods of tears. At the Olympics, at yeah. The, at, the, at the Olympic qualifiers in yeah. Liverpool um, when he lost there. Uh, and he, he looked like a kid whose world had ended. Mm. And, you know, a couple of months later, he turned professional. Um, and signed with the McGuigans. And there's, throughout his career, how many times, Adam, have we sat down and looked at his matchups and gone... Does Barry not like Josh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why is Josh Taylor getting these former world champions yeah. who are still right at the top you, of the tree? Do you remember when they signed the Victor Postel fight and me and you looked at each other and going, I think, are they, what are they doing? Exactly. He's only had eight fights or something Josh or whatever was like it was nine at that time. nine fights into yeah, his pro yeah. career. Let's put him in with a 30-fight veteran, a former world champion. Did the job, though. But I tell you what, it's been a baptism of fire. He's, he's fought the very best guys out there. And even though he's, you know, he's had half as many fights as Progress, he's had 15 fights. Those 15 fights, certainly the last five, mm. six, have been proper fights at the top end of this sport. Yeah. He is absolutely ready. Regis Pograce is absolutely at the top of the tree as well. Yeah. And I think are, these, are these the two best in this division for you? Well, Ramirez, I know that Ramirez, Ramirez is looked up. great beaten, yeah. you know, his win over Mo Hooker. Yeah. He, he looked sensational. Um, but for me, this is for the top dog. This is to be number one. Okay. And then the obvious fight early 2020 is a full unification of the entire division against Ramirez. But I think Pograce versus Taylor, I think you're absolutely right when you talk about the biggest fights to come to these shows. Certainly in, in 2019, this one is absolutely phenomenal. And we're so lucky that it is happening here in the O2 and in the British time zone. I mm. cannot wait for this fight because this cannot be a stinker. Mm. And I can't even jinx it by saying that. It just can't be. Two guys, one's 24 and 0, the other one's 15 and 0. And they've both got, what, 80, 85% knockout percentages. It's going to be a war. And the stories, and you'll, you'll learn a lot about Regis Pagres, who's going to be on the, uh, on the show last week. Obviously, he's a, a guy from New Orleans and was involved... Um, obviously, with the atrocities there, with uh, the terrible uh, hurricane that hit 
uh, New Orleans a few years ago. He was obviously around at that time and his family were deeply affected by it. His, his story is fascinating. We'll, we'll shed loads of light on that for you next week and you'll learn loads about it. And I'm sure you'll fall in love with him at some point. Um, but Josh Taylor for me, in fact, it's funny because obviously there's another Josh fighting tonight in Josh Warrington and he's another fighter that has me on the edge of my seat now. He's he's really captured my imagination and I'm I'm Oh, I'm all in on the uh, Josh Warrington bandwagon. Um, Josh Taylor, he's the, he's for me. I know that everybody looks at the heavyweight division and the Tyson Furies of this world and the Anthony Joshuas of this world, but for me, as British fighters, he's the shining light for me. He's the guy that you look at and you go, yeah, he could he could probably take us all to America and have some absolute crackers in Vegas and New York. You know what I mean? He's seen, he's that guy for me as I'm looking at British fighters now coming through. Yeah, you know what? It's hard to disagree with that. And I th- you know, he's got the ultimate test against Pogre in a couple of weeks, of course. But he has looked sensational. He had, they have put him in massive fights. He's had huge support, obviously, up in Scotland, where he, you know, he, he's been. Last four fights have been in Glasgow, big sellout events, huge support there. You know, he's had, he's had the wins. He's done it the hard way. He's done it the easy way. He's had the blowouts. He's had the points decisions. He's ticked every every box really. And the next step for him, absolutely, has got to be go back over to the states. I know he fought in in Vegas a few years ago on on undercards. I think he made his pro debut in America as well. But he's got to go back up over there in headline I think the Ramirez fight the unification fight that's got to happen in the US because you're right Josh Taylor's absolutely got the ability to be a global star and to take us on these journeys and I think Josh Warrington like that as well you know obviously again he's got to come through tonight to make sure we get there but there's something about Josh Taylor something about the way he's been brought along you know the, the certain fighters get take a little bit of stick for, for being, you know, led to a world title and fed a world title. Yes. Even even AJ was criticised when he won it. He became world heavyweight yeah, yeah, champion yeah. because, you know, let's face it, it was substandard opposition. He'd faced all the way to the belt. But when Josh Taylor uh, takes on Pugrace, there's, there's no denying that these guys are two of the best guys in the division. This is the ultimate unification fight. This is for the top dog spot. And when you look back at the Baranchiks of this world and the Victor Postals, as you say, and even Campos and Vasquez, the guys he's been in with the last five or six fights have led him to this point. And that's why I think, for me, I think the home advantage that, you know, the Scottish fighter, but being on UK soil fighting down in London, I think that could be the defining edge in this fight. I think Josh Taylor will probably have to get up off the deck because Grace hits so hard. But I think Josh has got the boxing ability to outbox him. Josh Taylor's a man that was hitting the face with a, with golf, a golf club. With a golf club off his cousin and he didn't go down. <laughs> Shattered his jaw. Do you remember draw. we had him on the show and that's what he was most proud of? <laughs> I didn't go down, you know, lads. Broke me jaw in twelve places, but I didn't go down. <laughs> Listen, I think he could have a. Sh- I think he could suffer a flash knockdown, but I do expect him to get up and I expect him to pinch it on the cards. Well with that in mind the next fight seems obviously you've mentioned Ramirez mm-hmm. he's unified the division against Mohoka recently he's on the other side of this division yeah. we could end up seeing an undisputed champion in this division he's a big boy is Josh do you anticipate him moving up to lightweight and mixing it with guys there I, I'm not saying that he should because at this moment he makes the weight very very easy I'm just talking about depth of competition and whether he wants to go and achieve stuff in other weight categories absolutely uh, it'd be well, obviously welterweight and move up to welterweight because welterweight is the hottest division in all of boxing right now you know we, we, we were talking about it last week where it's just absolutely action packed there's so many amazing fighters thankfully Errol Spence is still with us but I think absolutely whoever clears out this division whether it is Josh Taylor or Pagrace or even Ramirez yeah. that emerges by the summer of 2020 with all these belts that 
the desire from the fan base because the big names, they're, they're the big names that were at super lightweight. The big names at the weight division above are, are welterweight. Yeah. Are your Edel Spencers, your Pacquiao's, your Terence Crawford's of this world. Now that's super fight territory. That's American pay-per-view territory. So whoever unifies this division absolutely will move up. And hopefully that's Josh Taylor. Terence Crawford's been to Scotland before. He might come back. Oh, Can you imagine that? Josh Taylor, Terence Crawford. Wow. Oh, days. Wow. Oh, unbelievable scenes. Uh, do stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Nick Pete alongside me in my living room tonight. We're watching a couple of fights, keeping you across everything that is going on uh, in Leeds as Josh Warrington is uh, about to defend his IBF uh, featherweight championship. Don't forget, Alexander Usyk making his heavyweight debut in the early hours of the morning. We'll be speaking about that a little bit later on. Uh, do stick with us as well. But coming, coming up very, very shortly, we're going to hear from Josh Warrington ahead of his super fight tonight. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Jalen now is actually struggling with the movement of Warrington, who's been constantly left and right. This is a better period again. Oh, that's how he goes. Right hand, left hand. Jalen down. And I don't think there's a huge amount he can do about it now. Good early pressure from the champion. That comes front. Oh, he's got it. Big left hand from Warrington. Never thought I'd be a unified champion, but now I'm at this stage, there's no stop me. I'm certain I'm going to be a unified champion. The reigning and defending IBF featherweight champion of the world, Josh, the Leeds Warrior, Josh, the Leeds Warrior Warrington uh, in action. Um, Probably, with this being a a, a Frank show, uh, in around about an hour. So I think it's only fair that we hear uh, from the Leeds Warrior because Don McGuinness caught up with him, uh, the champion Josh Warrington and his promoter Frank Warren, uh, at the press conference ahead of that fight uh, with Frenchman Sofiane Tukucht. And here's how that conversation went. 
Formality's over now then, Josh. You stood alongside Frank Warren, obviously, your promoter. But yes. you, as you said in the press conference, a man of few words. What do you make of, of how he's kind of dealt with today? Um, it's, it's difficult to take something from the body language and whatnot when they're... Well, not, not body language, character when, when they can't speak English. Um, but just... In that little moment there, stood looking him head to head. He was poised, solid, as though trying to keep. As though he seemed confident, but at the same time, he seemed like he was trying to hold himself together. Like the the, the moment, occasion might be, you know, quite a big one, a momentous one. Um, it'll all what'll all matter when he stood at the entrance, ready for ring walk, and he's got to walk out in front of them thousands of fans. That's when it's make or break. Some people thrive off it, some people don't. I don't know if he's going to thrive for it, but any percentage of what comes away from him is a benefit for me. Ultimately, I can't look too much into that. I prepared for Sofian, like his life depends on it. So uh, I'm focused, ready, and expect an A-class performance on Saturday. As your dad has said, no stone left unturned, but if you think he is getting a bit wobbly in a, in a small theatre in the middle of the day in Leeds, when he hears the noise at the arena, that's going to blow his mind, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, he's... He's travelled, he's boxed about, but he's never stepped in anything like this. I mean, it's unique. There's not many venues that have something as special. I think, you know, the closest to it is probably Carl Frampton. Carl Frampton's got, a, a, you know, a great fan base and, uh, and and he's got some great fans, but Leeds is just, especially how the arena's shaped, it's, it's, it's a cauldron, it's a coliseum, you know, you're the bay for blood, and it's not the, the I mean, it's not personal. They just want me to win so bad, and uh, and you know, they make it hostile, they make it intimidating when he's walking to the ring. You start looking about at people's faces, you, you're taking your eye off the ball. Lee Selby did it when he walked out Ellen Road. He was that concentrated on staying focused, walking to the ring, that if he got the win by the time he got in the ring, he had, had me to deal with, and uh, it's all them fine margins at this level. Now, Frank, you, you know all about the Ricky Hatton Manchester effect, and Joshua's got a very similar thing here, but you've got to keep that going, haven't you? So from your point of view, it is about Ellen Road, and it is about stateside, so the, there can't be any slip-ups. Of course not, you know, um, but Josh, is, Josh is, a, is a consummate professional. He trains very hard, as we all know. He's got a great trainer and his father, Sean, and they don't leave a stone unturned. This guy, he can have all the confidence in the world. He can... He can you know, say all the things he's, he's got to do and talk about the fans, but the bottom line is he's got to fight the best featherweight in the world. And he is the best featherweight in the world, the most avoided featherweight in the world. No one wants to fight him. None of those guys want to unify the titles. Not one of them. We made them big offers. They talk, 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 and then disappeared in the, off into the distance. They just didn't happen. So he's now got to get out there. He's got to, you know, obviously do the business in front of his fans. And, and, and this guy... You know, he's got everything to gain. He's got nothing to lose. Josh has got to come for it. If he does, then next year, then we can hopefully do a, a unification at least. We, 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 we want to go back there. We had a, it was a great night there last time, and we want some more of that because it's, it's what boxing's all about. And Josh, as he said at the, the, you know, the, the press conference earlier on, he wants the big fights. He craves for the big fights. He's never dodged anyone. You know, Lee Selby was considered to be the best fighter in Britain at the time he fought him and he'd done a job on him in every department boxed out boxed him out punched him out gamed him done him every department Carl Frampton's qualities and record speaks for itself and that was voted fight of the year and this, it took two of them to make it fight of the year and he won the fight and he, it, it wasn't close or anything he well won that fight against a, you know, a, a really nice guy and a, and a superb fighter 
So now we are where we are now, and he can't afford that banana skin. The last couple of months, we've seen some big upsets. Guys who are big favourites are supposed to win fights easy. It just didn't, you know, didn't happen. Didn't, for, didn't happen for Anthony Joshua. Nearly went uh, the wrong way for Tyson with that cut that he got. Very close to seeing the referee stopping it. And then you even look the weekend, Golovkin, who everybody loves and thinks he's one of the best fighters out there. I thought he I thought he may have just lost that fight, his fight out there. So he's got to be top of the game. He's got to go out there, do the business, and Saturday night, that's what it's all about. Coming through that in front of that marvellous fan base that he's got, that great atmosphere, and going on to create history, because he's capable of creating history, there's no doubt about it. A couple of things that Frank said there, names that he's mentioned. Selby had Wales behind him, Frampton's got the island of Ireland behind him. You've got Leeds behind you. Yes. But should you be more loved in the UK for what you've done? Uh, I think I've gone beyond that now. Uh, there was a moment in time when I, I kind of, moment in my career where I craved it a little bit. I thought, what am I doing wrong? You know, I'm only beating people who put in front of me, but I'll still get stick no matter what I do. I, some of my performances, I'll beat him like fringe world title guys long before the Selby fight, and I just won't get another credit I deserved. Beat Selby, it were lucky. Beat Frampton, it's in better days, you know. I don't know. I've gone beyond that now, mate, you know. But you've had great ratings on well, BT. He's had top yeah. ratings. His fight on BT's last one was the, the, their highest ranking, rating that week. So the, the, peop, the people will probably appreciate me more when, when, it, when it's all said and done. Or maybe get one of them big fights where um, we, we, know we fight someone from the stateside and they get, people are getting behind you behind myself because it's it's like UK versus America or, in, or UK versus Mexico in, in some respects so listen it's about making the fans, fans happy entertaining them with the punches you know I'm not a Conor McGregor I'm you know one, one line I'm not a Tyson Fury with the, with the gimmicks and turn up to press conferences Batman suits <laughs> I like to let my performances do the talking and uh, like on Saturday I like to and of one of the uh, epic performances. Well, just on that, you've just taken an envelope out of your pocket. I'm just curious, are they the last of your tickets that you drop yeah, off to your fans? Because we know that what you do, your routine, yeah. you're still yeah. doing it. Yeah. You're yeah. still dropping off your tickets. You've still got that, that, that kind of man of the people thing. Yeah. So th- is that the last lot now? Can you come? Yeah, that, that would, um, I, just, I just handed uh, one of my pals out a few more tickets and, <laughs> uh, and that's it. I mean, winning to a week at fight, it's, it's crazy because I'm at the pinnacle of, of, of my sport, boxing. I'm at the top of the tree. It's kind of... In another sport, it'd be like Sergio Aguero driving around, dropping tickets for you know match day. But I don't mind it, me. I'm a man of the. I'll, I call myself a man of the people because I am. A, the people makers. We've been nothing without the arenas filled with people, uh, with, with folk paying hard money for the tickets and whatnot. So um, you've got to respect that. And uh, a lot of people have spent thousands upon thousands of pounds supporting me, sacrificed so many personal events to be at the fights and least I can do is, is go along, spend five minutes, have a cup of tea and uh, hand them the tickets personally. Is it a frustration for you, Frank? And I'm sure it is for Josh as well that, you know, there is no gimmick with him. He's just what he is. He just fights. But whereas, you know, one of your other pals, Tyson Fury, you know, he's, he's wrestling with WWE, man. He's doing all that. But that's Tyson. We know that. But yeah. again, you must be watching that, by the way, with your hands a bit over your eyes thinking that that cut is fresh and blah, blah, over, blah. Get my hands over his eye. Um, <laughs> No, it's uh, yep. Yeah, that's Tyson. But you no, know, Josh is Josh is. Everybody's different in this game. But the fact of the matter is, it's not like he's a fighter. When they say uh, you know what type of guy you are, he's the, he's a fighter that people come out on mass and buy tickets to watch. So they're doing that for a reason. They're doing it one because he can fight, two because they enjoy watching him fight, and three because he's got that connection with him because he's a good, decent bloke. That's what he is. He's a lovely guy to work with. You know. 
from day one when we when we started working together, I made a beeline. I said, you know, I really know we can do something. I, I thought he was being really mishandled in the promotional department, and we now, you know, between us, got this thing going, and we, we, we it's going from strength to strength. And and he is capable, I think, of becoming a national hero. He's known outside of Leeds. I mean, everybody, you know, knows him in boxing. It goes about saying he just he, he just needs that really really big well that world title fight against a foreign opposition. He's beat all the guys domestically, and as I mentioned, beating good quality fighters, it's now getting to the next the next guy, bringing them in so that it, it opens everybody's eyes up so they can appreciate and treasure what we've got as a fighter, because he can be the best, the best of his generation at this weight in, in this country. Final one for you, Josh. Uh, yeah. Again, fight of the year, yourself and your old mate Carl Frampton. Yeah. Now Frampton, I spoke to him recently, very respectful of you. Yes. But again, you know, he's, he he said I'd never call him out. He's a champion. He beat me fair and square. Yeah. But it's something that he's thinking could down the line, even stateside, the pair of you, be something very special. Do you ever think of that after you've just you know, had the recognition of fight of the year? Listen, I, I, what I say, turn around and say to that, if he were to get himself in position and won, a, won another world title, then me and him, um, a unification fight would be. I'd, I'd snap his hand off for that. I'd, I'd snap his hand off for that. Um, I just have a goal set on winning another world title first, uh, or, or at least fighting another one of the big names. Carl's done. I want to add as many names on my CV as possible. You know, like Frank said there, I think um, <laughs> in the press conference we talked about Santa Cruz and, and Valdez. I've always thought that my style would gel really well with them in making an entertaining fight. Um, and and if, if, if we can't get a fight at Super Fever, you know, I'd go up, fight them, keep myself busy, and then maybe come back down for unfinished business. But we've uh, got to keep our options open and uh, focus on Saturday. Yeah, focus on the Saturday. Well, I'll let you go. I know you've got a lot of media commitments. If I could just grab you for a second Certainly. more, Frank. But again, you know, we talk about the frustrations of, of, of kind of getting the fights, and you, you've made it quite clear, you know, how it's, it must drive you mad when you can't get a Valdez who wants to step up now, Santa Cruz. There's Gary. Russell and potentially Shakir Stevenson what would you do and you you can talk because you're not looking beyond the fight you're not getting in the ring well you know we've offered seven seven big seven figure numbers to get um, Santa Cruz over and the same with Valdez they just didn't want to do it Um, Russell fights once a year and uh, um, Stevenson there's fighting for the vacancy he's going to be tied up for the rest of this year Next year we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, but we we want to make the big. He wants the big fights, and we want to fill up Ellen Road. And we're only going to fill Ellen Road up with a big fight. That's what we need to do. Never mind Ellen Road. I want to go to Vegas. What are you playing at, Frank? Come on, son. <laughs> <laughs> that was the dream. Um, brilliant to hear from uh, Frank Warren and uh, Josh Warrington there uh, ahead of Josh's fight tonight, which will probably get in the ring in around about half an hour to 45 minutes. It's happening in Leeds this evening. We'll keep you across it if we are still on the radio and they are fighting. No question about that. Uh, you're going to hear from uh, Carl Frampton in the next hour. We're also going to have a little bit of a debrief on Gennady Golovkin's exploits last weekend as he became the IBF middleweight champion of the world once again beating Sergei Derevyanchenko. It's all coming next on Fight Night here on TalkSport. You know, right now I feel completely different because I come back to my knockout line, you know, just... I come back, guys. Right up, I really right bad, up He's right. wobbled Monroe again. Yeah, right up, He's got him against the ropes. Oh, right up, I hurt him really bad and the hook just hurt him even worse. He's out of here. Third knockdown. Sixth round technical knockout for Gennady Golovkin. Golovkin is now landing body shots again, as he did in round number one. And yes, he is. He's pop shotting right now, and as you see, a straight right. And Dominic, Dominic, in, the, in the far corner, is holding up a towel. And Gennady Golovkin is 
gonna have a technical knockout victory in round number five. What a savage This is target practice for Canelo Alvarez. Yes, it is. And Kirkman's taking every shot. Right uppercut continues to land. There's a perfect straight right hand, and Shirley's gonna stop the fight. What a performance by Canelo Alvarez. Poloki, you are next, my friend. People are standing up cheering in all sides of the arena here in Las Vegas. They have appreciated every moment. Your winner, by majority decision, and new... The home fighter takes it. Frankly, though, I find that very, very surprising. Do you still want Canelo in your next fight? Absolutely, just I'm open for anybody like it. Former eight-year undefeated middleweight champion of the world, Gennady Gennadyevich Golovkin, a.k.a. Triple G. Still makes me feel sick, the decision in that first fight between Triple G and Canelo. Hopefully we get a third. Hopefully we do, um, off the back of, K- of Triple G becoming the IBF middleweight champion uh, last week. However, Canelo's deciding to dance around in other weight categories. He's playing in the light heavyweight division against Kovalev uh, in the not-too-distant future. So I think it's only fair. First of all, let's let's pick the bones out of last weekend's fight, because a lot of people will have watched uh, Triple G taking on Derevyanchenko, uh, and their eyes would have lit up uh, with the amount of times that Triple G was hit and hurt to the body. Yes. Um, the chat after the fight uh, from Eddie Hearn, who looks after Triple G now with the zone, was that Triple G was ill and not firing on all cylinders. And I think both of us agree in that, that he wasn't firing on all cylinders. There's, you see loads of crazy stuff on social media, don't you? Straight away where people go, he's past it, he's over the ill. And for, you know, I suppose as a 37-year-old man, you could probably make that argument justifiable. But Triple G... Is a is a freak of nature, um, and I'm, I, I want to believe that he was ill, that he wasn't at a hundred percent, and hopefully, Canelo doesn't believe that he was ill <laughs> and wasn't a hundred percent for those reasons, and therefore maybe pushes ahead and, and makes that third fight because I, I personally would like to see it again. Yeah, and I think you know that's the biggest money fight out there for Canelo. We talk a lot about Canelo and potential opponents for him, you know, uh, Kovalev, Callum Smith, people like that. Brit- a lot of British fighters, of course, but. You know, you, the biggest fight for Canelo financially is all, undoubtedly a, a third fight with Triple G. Um, that makes him the most money. So that's the reason why that fight will definitely happen again in 2020, I believe. What weight division? I think that's down to Canelo. You know, he is going up to light heavyweight for his next fight. Should he win at light heavyweight? And we both think he probably will be Kovalev at this stage in Kovalev's career. Um, I can't see him coming all the way back down to middleweight to fight Triple yeah. G again. So I can see the fight Triple G having to move up in weight. He turns 38 in April, Triple mm. G. So that fight isn't probably going to happen until um, May at the earliest. You would have thought I, I with maybe, a touch later. maybe even end of the year. So yeah. he's going to be 38 and a half by then. Okay, he's probably in far better shape than most 38-year-olds. But still, there's a lot of miles on Triple G's clock. And as Sergei proved last weekend, he can be hit. And in a lot of ways, you're starting to think, is that... What no one, no one in the second fight, the first fight was absolutely abysmal, of course, the scoring. Canelo should have lost that fight, Triple G won it. But in the second fight, there was no dispute in, in my eyes that Canelo won the second fight. Ah, you see, I dispute it. And he stepped on him because he went to Golovkin's yeah, body. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think 
Derevchenko did the same thing last weekend. He went to Triple G's body. He can be here to the body, and he can he, he can win rounds off him that way. And I think there is kind of a blueprint to beat Triple G right now. Attacking the body, go with the body exactly. Yeah, work the body. And I think in a third fight, that's what Canelo would focus on. I think Canelo, grown up to one seventy-five, is going to have the the, the what, what do you do the size advantage? What, as well? what do you do then if you're if you're Canelo now? You know you've got to fight at light heavyweight. That's coming up. All right? Yes, and, and and we're both in agreement that we think that that is more of a smash and grab than I'm going to light heavyweight and I'm staying at light heavyweight. He's obviously seen Kovalev, the biggest name in the light heavyweight division maybe the weakest champion and that's no disrespect to him because it's a very very well lit division there's some serious sharks in that tank let's say Um, and he's targeted him because he believes he can pick up another trinket he's already got one at at super middle as you've said but with Triple G winning last weekend at middleweight and becoming a world champion at middleweight you're convinced that he's not coming all the way back down to uh, 160 pounds but if Canelo's watched that fight last week he knows there's a lot of money there. Yeah. The zone the broadcaster wants it. Triple G's in 100%. There's an awful amount of cash there, and he always fights first weekend of May, doesn't he? Cinco de Mayo, that's his weekend. Mexican yep. Bank Holiday weekend. For me, it makes perfect sense. And it makes perfect sense to see if he can come all the way back down to middleweight to unify some belts. I just think coming back down £15, pounds, why? Why do it? When you've established yourself as being a champion at 168 you potentially, if he beats Kovalev, you've established yourself as being a champion at 175. Why go all the way back down to 160? Because mm-hmm. surely that's playing into Triple G's hands. Okay. Make him move up. Triple G's never been moved up. And Canelo remains the A-side. He's the one that's got a victory and a draw against Triple G, regardless of what we think about those results. He's on paper. His legacy is defined as having a win and a draw against Triple G. So he doesn't need... Triple G as much as Triple G needs Canelo. Well, listen, this is professional boxing in 2019. Everybody outside the heavyweight division wants to fight Canelo. He's mm. the golden goose in the sport right now. Mm. Um, and to, to make that happen, I think Triple G is going to have to give away other disadvantages and one being weight. And I think tri- Canelo, for me, should just go, right, let's meet, maybe if they meet at 168, let's meet at 168 pounds. Let's prove who's the, you know, let's prove it once and for all who's top dog. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that potentially fight happens in May as well. But first and foremost, Canelo's got to beat Kovalev. And that's yeah. no done deal because he is moving up to light heavyweight. And there is no stipulations around what Kovalev's can rehydrate to and all this kind of stuff. So Kovalev's very much a live fighter. And okay, we've seen him. We've seen a little bit of a glitch over the last few years. But still, he's a much bigger man mm. than, than, than Canelo. And if he gets that win, you better believe Canelo's got about 17 rematch clauses there anyway. So Triple G may well wave goodbye to the third fight forever mm. if Kovalev was to win. Like, all right, then, let's look ahead to next year because we would love to see Canelo versus Triple G Part 3. And yes. we, we know that Canelo will fight in May because that's what he does. He fights, yes. he fights Cinco de Mayo weekend. There's other options there as well, though, isn't there? I mean, we've got our very own Billy Joe Saunders who has a, a world title at Super Middle. Yeah. Callum Smith as a world title at super middle um, and obviously there's other world champions in there I mean I'm just naming the British lads there because I'd like to see them getting in with some of these guys could yep. you could you foresee Canelo fighting Billy Joe in May with then Triple G maybe fighting Callum Smith in May and then the winners of that come together in September that would be absolutely phenomenal you know and I think in an ideal world, if you're DAZN, if you're Eddie Hearn especially, yeah. that's kind of got an interest in all four of those guys. 
that would be the perfect little round robin at of 168. Course it would, yeah. You get Billy Joe big exposure on this YouTube matchup. Um, he fights Canelo. Canelo, you, you you know, you would obviously fancy that fight to fight. That's been spoken about a lot before down at middleweight. Um, and then you would get Triple G moving up to try and force the fight with Canelo. Taking on Callum Smith, that would be absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Um, but obviously, we've got the great thing about that is we've got a horse in both races to try and upset the apple cart for the third fight. Mm. And to be totally honest with you, I think Callum Smith beats Triple G. Well, you're, of course you're going to say that because of where you're from. <laughs> Do you know something? I think a lot of people listening to this now, at this stage in Triple G's career, moving Absolutely. up to a 168, taking on a guy that should be at light heavy, let's uh, be honest. Um, listen, I think Callum Smith's a harder fight for Canelo than Kovalev is for Canelo because I think they're in different stages of career. I think Kovalev's on the back end of his career. Callum Smith's at his yeah, peak right now. I think a lot of people would agree with that. At a at super middleweight, I think, I think people would agree with you on that one. I think... It's good. Listen, whoever you are fighting Canelo in Las Vegas, you're going to find it tough to to get yourself a decision there, aren't you? You're going to have to knock him out to get a draw. I think that's been yes. proven on in the in the Triple G fights. Yeah. So if Billy Joe Saunders does get that fight, you can't see it happening anywhere else other than in Las Vegas. Absolutely. So they go to Las Vegas. I think Billy Joe Saunders has all the tools to really give Canelo a hell, hell of a fight. Um, but Canelo is probably one of the best front foot counter punches in the game and he most certainly is fantastic at going to the body and if uh, Billy Joe Saunders is undercooked in any way shape or form he's most certainly going to find him um, so you would you would anticipate and I'm, listen I've been wrong before you would anticipate Canelo to come through that fight mm-hmm. but in the other fight if they can make that dream matchup I would I would be back in Callum Smith to come through that there at 168 go. pounds and then hopefully set up a, a unification with Canelo there for the se- for September in. that's how easy it is you're in I'm Come not, on board. Yeah, but I'm not saying that Callum Smith beats Canelo. <laughs> choo choo. Let's go. Come on board. Listen, it all seems so easy, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, we can sit. Only. We can sit here. Fans can sit here. They can listen to this and they go, "Do you know something? It's so easy, man. Yeah. You're all on. Technically, you're all on the same broadcaster. You all have uh, similar interests from promoters. Why don't these fights get made? And this is where boxing gets a lot of shade thrown at it because me and you obviously follow a lot of mixed martial arts in the UFC and we do get to see the best fighting the best We because we only have one promoter. We've only got one belt and, you know, um, those uh, old school Roman gladiatorial rules seem to uh, work quite well at getting the best versus the best. Whereas in the world of boxing, fighters have other options. There's other belts, there's other promoters. Everybody's got all these different interests. Yeah. Everybody wants a piece of the pie. Everybody's got their own say on certain matters and therefore sometimes we don't necessarily get it. But with them four, though, the difference is that they're all potentially, maybe not Callum Smith as much at this stage, but they're all potentially tied in to big money from the zone. Yeah. Triple G and Canelo are tied into the zone for big, big dollars, huge dollars, biggest we've seen in the sport, certainly for, you know, for contractual dollars, not yeah, one-off yeah. pay-per-views like Mayweather. Obviously, the ultimate is to bring those two together, but the zone want to get their bang for the buck. And the way to do that is to, to knock off the Billy Joe Saunders and potentially the Callum Smiths of this world to make that fight even bigger. The problem is, you know, I, I genuinely, and it's not just because he's from my hometown, but I genuinely think Callum Smith has got potential to beat a lot of them. It's got to come through John Ryder first, mate. I've got, there you go, exactly. Mm. I think I, I think we 
No, we'll leave it. Um, that's uh, <laughs> that's coming up in November. Um, do stick with us because there's still quite a lot to get through. We are going to talk a little bit about mixed martial arts. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, action for British fighters in the UFC coming up. Molly McCann's uh, fighting next weekend in Boston. Nick's been catching up with Molly. Uh, Darren Till in a couple of weeks fighting in New York at UFC 244. There's a fantastic card going on tonight between uh, Johanna Jentrecek against Michelle Waterson. That's happening in Boston. Uh, no, that's happening in Tampa. Tampa. Boston's next week. Um, there's a bit of Bellator going on tonight, and I also want to bring up as well a bit of professional fight league. Congratulations to uh, Brendan Lochnan getting a victory uh, overnight at Mandalay Bay over in Las Vegas. We'll talk all about that in the last half an hour of the show. Uh, but coming up next, Don McGuinness has been catching up with Carl Frampton, and you can hear it next year on TalkSport. <laughs> Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Uh, Nick Pete alongside me in my house. Uh, we are watching uh, a couple of fights on the television, which uh, obviously include Josh Warrington in action tonight. Uh, Alexander Usyk fights in the early hours of the morning. We'll speak about that in a moment or two. Uh, but first of all, Don McGuinness has been catching up with two-weight world champion Carl Frampton to discuss his next move in the sport. Well, Carl, another week, and that hand is healing, I'm sure, very well. So what, what's the, the situation that you're in at the minute? Um... I, I'm training. I'm training, well, nearly as normal. I haven't started sparring or anything like that yet. I'm still having to be careful with my hand. I'm hitting paddles and stuff rather than even hitting pads yet. But I just feel like it's getting better every day. What I don't want to do is, is just go a little bit too soon and then put myself back another four or five weeks. So I'm taking my time while I, while I can afford to. But my fitness is good and my weight seems to be okay as well. So I'm in, I'm in the right place, I think. November the 30th, everyone seems to be talking about well, Las yeah. Vegas. The fight, the, the date's confirmed and the venue's confirmed, Cosmopolitan Hotel, 30th of November. Um, but I think it'll you know, become official and we'll announce it once the opponent's over the line. So hopefully get that tied up this week. I know you can't tell me, but I mean, some of the names that are knocking around, Dog Bay seems to be right yeah. up there as well. With his profile, former world champion, obviously he's come up against Navarrete, who's a real talent. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that, is that the kind of the kind well, of yeah. level that you want to be going yeah. straight back in at? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be a meaningful fight. Obviously, for me, I want to be involved in a big fight. I don't want to. No disrespect to Emmanuel Dominguez, the the last opponent that I was meant to have. Um, but I don't need to be going back to that sort of level. Although the fight never happened, I had a good training camp behind me, so that's that's one benefit I can take from it, and and I can just go and push on now for meaningful fights and, and fights that will get me into a position to fight for a world title so there's a few names floating about and ESPN are demanding a good fight too so it suits me I, I want to be involved in good fights and uh, and they want to have me on good fights on their platform so it suits me and what is the situation with obviously your promotional deal over in the US we know what happened I don't want to go over old ground with the Philadelphia story the fight that never was now but it's a it's a contract that'll see me out the rest of my career I don't imagine I'll even have the six fights, but the six fights are there if, if I want to have them. Um, so obviously fight one hasn't happened, so I've still got another six fights with top rank, so it's, that's that's the way it is at the minute. So it, it's not affected in terms of the, you know, the payday you no, should have no, had that no, night, no, it's just no. your expenses and all that that yeah. you've had to take that hit? Yeah, you've had to take a hit, but we, we've got a, a legal team looking into it, and so hopefully I can uh, recoup some of it. Is that with the hotel, you're still looking at that? Yeah. That's still ongoing. Yeah, it is at the moment. I, I've been told not to say too much again about that. This is a terrible interview, I'm told. <laughs> I can't say anything, but um, yeah, that's that's where it's at at the moment. What you can say is how you're feeling anyway, apart from the hand and you, you're back in Manchester. You've, you've started a camp now anyway with, yeah. with all the 
the lunatics mm. out there. Uh, again, very much like a home for you now, a home from home, isn't it? Yeah, look, I, I love all the boys over here. I, I love the camaraderie and the atmosphere in the gym and we all look out for each other, but we all train hard and guys have my best interest at heart. And um, yeah, it's, it's great. I, I actually enjoy it's hard being away from the family and my wife and kids, but um, I suppose if I'm going to train anywhere. I, I enjoy this place more than anywhere else we've ever trained ever. So I feel at home here and um, the boys look after me. Where's Big Stevie? Stevie's missus just had a baby, Kathy. has uh, just had a, a baby literally uh, three days ago, something like that. Middle of, yeah, three or four days ago. So um, Grace. No, not Grace. <laughs> Is it Grace? No. Ayla Grace Ward is her name. I was, I gonna, that I was just going to confirm I'm calling him Big Stevie. Stephen Ward, obviously, that you usually yeah, travel yeah. over with and you, you normally bunk up with in Bolton. Yeah, is yeah. that still the situation? You still, still got the same flat? So, he, he'll be, so he's just, he's literally had a baby four days ago, I think. Um, but the big man loves it. I'm expecting to see him probably at some point this week to be over here training with me again. Who's going to make your tea now? Well, he's doing it because there was a bet that we had. Um, at, so, I have, to, I have to make my tea on my own or just not have tea until Stevie gets here. But um, <laughs> we had a bet. So, the Board of Control Awards, it was the fight of the year. Me and my fight with Warrington and, and Ward and Conroy were both up for it. He was very confident he was going to win it. I was confident that he was going to win it, to be honest, but we had a wee bet anyway. Um no money involved, but the bet was um, you have to make tea and coffee at the other per- at the winner's discretion for the rest of camp and clean clean their clothes and dry their clothes at their discretion. So I won for the year. Well, me and Warrington. It's not great when for the year when I fight you lost, but when you win a bet off the back of it, then it makes it a wee bit better. Wouldn't you make him make your tea anyway, whether you won the bet or not? Well, I do the tea normally. He does the coffee. He's a real freak with his coffee. He gets his wee measuring skills out and stuff and wears beans and stuff. So he'd have to do the tea now and the coffee and, and the clothes as well, which is going to be a pain in the arse for him. But that's what happened when you bet with the big boys. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned the fight. Now, Warrington put a, a good tweet out as well about, you know, he couldn't have done it without you, which is pretty yeah, obvious, but yeah. takes two to tango. I mean, how do you feel about it now? Because it's, it's, it's not far. You'll, you'll be back in the ring before a year, if you know what I mean, the year anniversary. But yeah. it, how, do you, how do you think when you look back at it? Yeah, I'm disappointed still with the performance. I'm kind of over it, but I am disappointed with the performance and I still feel like I'm better than that performance. You know, that's one of the reasons why I want to continue and, and get back and, and show people that I'm not, I'm not done really. Um, I've still got a lot left to give in this fight, and um, yeah, it was a one thing I can't take away from it. It was a good fight, and after the first couple of rounds, I kind of came back into it in the middle a little bit. But um, yeah, Josh won the fight fair and square, and um, I can't have any complaints apart from how, how I perform myself. He's out again uh, very very soon, yeah. um, just a week now. Where do you where do you see the future in terms of divisions that you you're both competing in, and mm. if we're going to see that one again, or you know again, without looking beyond your opponent on November the thirtieth, yeah. how's it all going to play out? Do you feel? Well, I don't know. Like the boxing landscape is forever changing. Like it changes from week to week. It seems so. Um, I have a fight coming up. He has a fight coming up very soon. So, you know, we keep winning. Potentially the fight can happen again. But I, I'm not going to start for a second 
calling out Joshua. I don't like that, you know, calling people out. I lost, I, I had a fight with him and I lost it. So I need to get myself back into position and maybe have something that he wants to fight me for, a world title or whatever. Um, but still a big fight, you know. I think people would tune in to watch it and both of us would get potentially very well paid. So, um, yeah, there's there's options, but I'm not going to start calling people out. I just need to win, keep winning fights and get myself in the position to fight guys like Warrington and Valdez and Santa Cruz and, and all these names again. There's nothing stopping the pair of you doing it stateside either, is there? I suppose with your deal and everything else. Yeah. And I know that he's wanted to fight over there. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, yeah, he has wanted to fight there. And, and obviously I've got a, a deal with top rank and, and they can um, accommodate that, I'm sure. So... Look, it's, again, this isn't me calling Josh Warren and saying I want to fight in America. It's just saying, you know, it's, there's potential there and there's, and there's options for, for us both. And just a, another word about your life here, because, you, you know, you don't have to leave everyone behind. You come over here, but you, you it's not just with the lads in the gym. You've you've embraced a lot of things about being over here, haven't you? Yeah. I know that in terms of you've backed the Maverick Stars charity, yeah, yeah. you've been very supportive of the anti-knife crime campaign and using boxing as a hook. And I know you do a lot in the, uh, when you're back home yeah. in, in Northern Ireland, but w what is it about here that, that, that has helped you with that kind of charitable aspect as well? Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I've always been like a charitable person, so I, I like that. I think when you're in a position and you can raise awareness for things like Maverick Stars and, and other charities, that, that you should do that. And, um, you know, I, I haven't really forgot where I have came from, and I came from a rough area, and I was a kid at one point who just needed a wee bit of direction, I think boxing and people involved in boxing help me so I feel like I want to be able to you know I am in a position where I can give a wee bit of advice and, and people might might listen to me so that's the real reason to do it but there's a real community spirit and, and they're in the gym obviously Jamie and what he's doing with Maverick Star but Nigel Travis as well and his club and, and Moss said it's they're doing they're doing amazing things and I think um they're real hubs you know they're they're the life like the real like community centers almost like boxing clubs all over the UK. They're not just they're not just boxing clubs. They're real the real community centers and and the people who run them. Um, they should they should be praised really for what they're doing. I heard your podcast obviously when you sat down with Nigel with Chris in in, in Moss Side and, and speaking about you know his work there. And he's just walked in now, which is a shame because I don't want to I don't want to no, say no, I don't want to say anything nice boring, about him when he's. Anyway. <laughs> But he's got he's got the show on Saturday night as well, and that raises money for for his gym for the year. Yeah. And I know you've been supportive of everything that Nigel and yeah. Mossside and everything's doing. It is great work, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. There's a bit of a, a bit of a epidemic, well, a bit of a you know gang culture and stuff. It has been going on for years in Mossside. I think it's still going on, obviously, and and like other places around the UK and and working class areas in particular that. There is these problems and there's problems with the youth, but boxing can give people a bit of direction and a, a bit of discipline in their life and just just show them a different a different route and a different side and, and show them that you know, you can look up the guys in the gym and boxers rather than you know, the guy in the, with a nice marker BMW who's doing whatever he's doing in it. Um and that's the thing. Young kids are easily influenced, so they have these you have positive role models in boxing clubs, not not these role models who are doing whatever they're doing, and you just see them as they're the top guys in my area. I want to be like them. If you come to a boxing club and you see good guys and guys like Connor Tisbury, who's a, who's going to be an Olympian, I'm pretty sure of that. Um, in where's where's after Tokyo? Paris, I think. Um, Paris after Tokyo, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. 
So I'm pretty sure he will be an Olympian in, in Paris. Um, so guys like that have can impact people's lives and, and people like Nigel and everyone else in the club. They really have a positive impact. Except Nigel's just put this music on, Nigel Travis. What, what, which boy band is this? Who is this? I haven't a clue. I don't know, Backstreet Boys or something. I think it is, yeah. Is it? I think, I think you might be right. I don't, I don't know, but that just sums up the man. It's really, not Backstreet it? Boys, I don't know. It's so, it's, I don't know who it is, but it's not great. <laughs> Uh, Carl Frampton there speaking to Don McGuinness I'm glad that they made that reference to the music that was going on in the background because I was most certainly I was enjoying a little bit of uh, uh, this is how we do it <laughs> anyway uh, fantastic conversation be great to see him back in the ring uh, sometime soon Nick's been catching up with Molly McCann who fights in Boston next week in the UFC uh, her rise uh, in the UFC has been absolutely astronomical over the last 12 months uh, and Nick's been catching up with you you can hear that conversation next here on TalkSport It's fight night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete, alongside me. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the show tonight, it will be available as a podcast for you. You can get it on iTunes. You're looking for fight night, or you can go to uh, the TalkSport website. TalkSport.com is what you're looking for, and all the Android feeds are there for you. We've had loads of top-quality guests on the show. Josh Warrington, Josh Taylor, David Hay. Uh, Frank Warren's been on, and you've just heard from Carl Frampton there a moment or two ago. Uh, next week in Boston, the UFC rock up, and they're taking one of our... Uh, superstars over there to uh, to light up uh, the Boston faithful. Uh, Molly McCann uh, is in action, and Nick has been catching up with the UFC and Liverpool superstar. Uh, that was a little earlier on this week uh, to get the latest on her moves in the octagon. We are, what, less than two weeks away now from UFC Fight Night Boston. By the way, Boston was the first overseas UFC event I attended back when uh, BJ Penn was on the bill. James Tony fought Randy Couture. Incredible venue, incredible destination. Always throws up great fights, Boston. One of my favourite cities in all of America, Boston. And it's about to play host to one of my favourite people in all of MMA. I'd like to say Molly McCann and Frank. The infamous <laughs> Frank is in page as well, of course. But we're, it's, we're all about Frank in the studio today. Frank's here, the superstar himself. Anyone yeah. that follows Molly on social media knows that she's got a he's boyfriend changed. and his name's Frank. Yeah, he's, it's my son. He's changed my life, hasn't he? I'm not sure if you've seen on Cage Bodies the other day everywhere. <laughs> Layla was interviewing me on um, Fight Pass. And she went, oh, you just seem really happy. Like, I was like, I just love me dog. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Frank then. How did Frank come into your world? So I was in Dublin training at SBG with Liam McCourt and all the lads and Owen Roddy. And I've texted Paige. Paige is in Liverpool in pre-season. And I'm like, I think I'm going to get a dog. And she's like, I'll behave what one. And I went to Little Chihuahua and she was like, what? And then um, I had Liam McCourt's whole family trying to find me chihuahuas because my mum got a chihuahua. And then I thought they're a bit yappy, actually. And then one of my mates was doing Frenchies. And I sent Paige a picture of free and I said, pick. And she went, really, went, yeah. So we both picked the same dog, didn't we? And um, he was like, I had a video sent to me of the dog whilst I was away. And then this dog was like just in the thick of it, just trying to get like be centres of attention. I was like, oh, that's definitely, that, that's like mini us. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> It's going to fit right in. Yeah. So this was Tuesday. I got home on the Thursday and Wednesday I went Paige, go and get the dog. So she got the dog and then came and picked me up from the airport. And then that was it. We went Sevy Park. And it's just been love at first sight. Oh, literally. Yeah. 
Yeah. So where's where's Frank from? Is he is he Liverpool born and bred? He's Formby. He's Formby. Yeah, he's a posh boy, but his dad's from Manchester and his mum's from Formby. He's a cracker. He's not bad. He's got good colouring. Yeah, he looks amazing. Anyone wants to meet him? He's so handsome. (laughs) No, he is. He's got little eyebrows, hasn't he? Little scouser. He's only got half a brow on both eyes, so it's like half skulls. So have you become a proper dog owner now, like full on, always got poo bags in your pocket or that kind Listen, of caper? do you know what's hilarious? I've just just got one poo bag in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I've, just, I've just been in the gym and Mark Murray's been in there with Si and I was like, oh my God, proper dog lady with a poo bag in my pocket. But um, it gives you a new sense of purpose. I think being a female, being both being female athletes, can't have kids for a little while, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And um, every time I've come in with you, I've always spoke about mental health yeah. and where my health is at, my anxieties and stuff. And since getting him, it's kind of... Paul Reed, my nutritionist, said that's the best thing you could have ever done because it takes your mind off fighting, off personal life, off like everything outside of fighting and you can just focus on this and be at ease and it really has just I wake up in the morning take him downstairs we have our breakfast my nan will take him for a walk I go to the gym come back pick the dog up and then we take him out for the day and then I'll go and train eat take the dog out for, like I can't sit on the couch neither can she and neither can he do you know what I mean so we're active and it's just like a little family listen you look really well you don't look like someone that's 10 days out from a fight You've got a little bit of a graze under your left eye, but other than that, yeah. you look healthy, you look happy. I love I, this new Molly McCann. Oh, well, do you know, I feel like um, I've paid so much of my dues in like nervousness, anxiety, pressure. I've paid so much over the last few years, and um, I feel like everything is stable. I haven't lost a family member or been through all these tragedies, or I haven't had like. I've been put to sleep in front of X amount of people. Do you know what I mean? I've I've just been everything's just harmonised and in sync with where I'm at. And when we always talk about like being positive and showing gratitude, like I'm just believing everything I say. I believe um, I'm not cheating anything. I'm not cheating the system. I'm not just saying stuff for the sake of saying it. Um, everything. I'm, did he just burp then? Is he snoring there? He's having a little snore. <laughs> Frank. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, everyone keeps saying there's like a, a little, I don't know, a shine about me or me aura's different at the minute. But yeah. I think I've had to scream from the rafters to tell people about who I am and what I'm about. And um, I don't have to do that no more. No, like everyone's fight, listening now. Everyone's yeah, watching. Yeah, and I think the last weigh-in for me last fight, when I done it, I didn't get in a face. I was cool, calm, and just stood there and took the sentence. And I didn't start effing and blinding and giving it like Molly Big Spuds. Do you know what I mean? I just, mm-hmm. I'm aware of, of where I'm at. And um, yeah, and I haven't got a force, not no, or anything like that. I know my wife and I know what I can do come fight night now. And I know, yeah. maybe I know because I'm supposed to be there and I know to what level that I am. Like after winning that last fight, I was like, oh, I was proper written off here. And I, and yeah, absolutely. N- no. You're a massive underdog. Yeah. And you completely and utterly turned the, the fight round because it became glaringly obvious that you were anything but the other dog. In fact, the odds should have been the other way around. You yeah. were far superior in every department. Mm-hmm, yeah. But that, so we're going to see a slightly less 
you know, the media side of it's going to be, you know, a little bit less loud, if relaxed. you like. I, like, don't get me wrong, I'll still always be me and probably... We're still, we're still going to see you flipping the bed in the yeah, octagon. We're yeah, still going like, to see all the fun stuff. Yeah. The Sheeta salute and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, I feel... Um, we, I say it a lot in interviews. I've probably said about six times to you, but Bruce Lee said, like, um, fighting is, like, the purest form of expression or, like, movements, do you know what I mean? So when I'm in there and I do that kind of thing, for me, that's, like me expressing myself to the best that I can as a martial artist and as a show woman. It's like a footballer, like Ronaldo, when he does, like, his scissors. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's... It's you expressing and putting your spin on what you do. So I'll never lose that, but I think I've grown up and matured in how I articulate fighting scenarios and how I approach certain situations is a little bit different. Like, I still fluff up. Do you know? Like, I still do a Darren or do a Paddy and say the wrong thing at the wrong time, but I, I try my best. Compared to where you are today, heading to Boston this coming Friday, big fight, obviously, to where you were going into UFC Liverpool, it's like chalk and cheese. Well, weight-wise, there's probably about five kilo difference, and mental-wise, I probably... I, I'm not sure if I... I probably got more mental fortitude now, but I just believed in myself maybe a lot more than I just thought I was unbeatable. And then when I got beat, it changed my whole world, you know what I mean? Which we've spoke about a hell of a lot. But um, when you're at peace and when you know, I I did as much as I could in the time that I had for that. Yeah. But the off season, I took the, do you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't do that. Like I'd get five to six key heavier back then than what I would now yeah which is like a stone heavier mm-hmm. and when I haven't got that pressure pressure of cutting weight is a massive massive thing and um and we like not we like to cover it up and sugarcoat it but it is a, it's horrible do you know what I mean and I think the last three camps I haven't I'm a key lighter now than where I was going into uh, Greenville yeah so not having that I woke up yesterday and we stood on the scales and when we seen my weight, I was like... <gasps> and I was like, oh, it's the last Monday of camp. I've got to think of like how grateful I am. Like, Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to have to bath. I'm not going to have to sore it. Um, but psychologically, that's like a win. You know yeah, now, week yeah. out, I'm not going to have to do that. Yeah. I'm not going to have to have the worst night ever before a fight. Mm-hmm. Far from it. Oh, the fight week of... Literally, like, Simon, me, me tie coach, like sipping a coffee and me looking at him thinking I'm going to punch your head and if you like get away from me <laughs> you, know you put another sugar in, in that t- coffee yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like he's got no idea because he didn't really have to cut, fight, uh, cut weight for fighting he'd just be sitting there like tapping the sugar break. oh no I'll have three have you got any biscuits and I'm looking at him like that Friday Boston what can the Boston fans expect from Meatball Molly McCann cool calm collected finish I, like I just I just see it like she will, will not have trained. I keep putting it like I'm training harder to achieve something I've never achieved because people have been saying like don't get complacent or are you still training hard and all this. It's like I want something that I've still not got. Do you know what I mean? And that is a finish and then it will be the belt. So I will keep on grinding and um, a party after. Would, would, the, <laughs> would the sub be the perfect do you know what if a you lit, still want do you know, that sub? Do you know if a litter up 
um, dropped her with something and she hit the deck. Um, I stop punching red and mount. She turns into turtle and I just take her back. Um, my arms are that little and my Chris Fishgold's where it chokes a lot easier for me. Do you know Paddy's got like legs, yeah, legs yeah. 11. Mm-hmm. You can just wrap all the triangles up. But triangle armbar, head and arm, guillotine, bulldog. It'll be one of them. Brilliant. It'll be one of them. Thank you so much for coming into the studio. I appreciate it. No Enjoy your safe journey on Friday. And uh, you're going to miss Frank. You're going to FaceTime him every day. Yeah, Paige loved the dog and I'd be like, where are you? <laughs> what are you I doing? I need to be FaceTime. <laughs> Where's my Frank? When I was in Greece, um, I FaceTimed her and she was like, do you know, you've been away a week and I haven't asked once how I am. You've only asked about the dog. And I was like, Hey, hey, hey. So how are you? <laughs> I've got you a present. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Mal. No Speak problem. to you soon. UFC fighter Molly McCann catching up uh, with Nick um, uh, a little earlier this week. Uh, and if you tuned into that halfway through, um, you've probably got a few tips there of how to go and win Crufts um, with uh, Frank the Chihuahua being in the studio at the same time of, uh, of them having a little bit of a chat. Do stick with us um, because we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about mixed martial arts in a moment or two. We're going to preview Alexander Usyk's uh, debut at heavyweight. Um, because he makes that in the early hours of the morning and we'll just wrap up all the general fight sports news uh, before the end of the show. Don't go anywhere, this is Talk Sport. Uh, as with all Frank Warren shows, it's blooming typical that the main events not happen during our show. <laughs> Um, we're coming up towards, uh, what are we now, just after quarter to 11 on a Saturday evening and Josh Warrington's not in the ring as of yet. So if you, I'll tell you something, then bars will be full in Leeds, won't they? They'll be absolutely rammers. Uh, Josh Warrington defending his uh, IBF uh, featherweight crown. To be fair, we are normally on till midnight. So we would have had the fight normally on the show, but with it being an in- international football uh, break week, um, we've sadly missed it because we finish obviously at 11 o'clock tonight. Uh, and following us, we've got a one-hour TalkSport exclusive uh, looking back at USA 94, the World Cup there, 25 years on from that tournament. It's hosted by Ray Stubbs, features Ray Houghton, Tony Cascarino, Ronnie Whelan, Mark Lawrenson, along with TalkSport presenters Danny Kelly and the boys H&J. Should be an absolute cracking listen. It's following us uh, in around about 10 minutes from now. Uh, also, just a, a little one for you. Um, seeing as that there's uh, adverse weather conditions going on in Japan at the moment for the Rugby World Cup uh, we're hearing that Namibia versus Canada uh, has been uh, cancelled um, on into the uh, evacuation order following Typhoon Hagibis the Pool B match between Namibia and Canada uh, in Kamashi has been cancelled we'll have more on this in the news in a moment or two All right, so make sure you stick around now back to our stuff back to fight sports because there is quite a lot going on at this moment in time over in Leeds there's a couple of uh, fights going on as I've been saying with Josh Warrington in action but in the early hours of the morning Alexander Usyk makes his long awaited debut at heavyweight he absolutely cleaned up at cruiserweight and he did it in great style he beat all the champions in their own backyards mopped it up became the undisputed cruiserweight champion and now he set his sights on doing a similar thing in the heavyweight division Nick in your opinion can he do it or is he just a touch too small no, he can absolutely do it, you know, and um, to, to the measuring stick really should be the fact that Evander Holyfield did it, you know, and he conquered the heavyweight division, 
and uh, he was their former undisputed cruiserweight champion as well. So, but the guys that he was coming up against, and this is no disrespect to him, they weren't six foot nine, were they? They weren't. No, but they were. You know, you were still talking about the Mike Tyson's and the Lennox Lewis's of this world, yeah. that kind of generation. So, you know, it can absolutely be done. Listen, at the end of the day, uh, stylistically, as as a technical boxer. You could argue that Usyk is is probably better than anybody out there. Whether he's got the same kind of ring IQ as Tyson Fury, we don't know. But technically, the things he can do, the speed of his feet, the way he picks his shots, you know. And hopefully, we'll see this a little bit later on against the uh, standing opponent Chaz with a spoon. But this guy's a real threat to this heavyweight division. The 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 the, the triple threat at the top, if you like. And and being cruel, uh, ruling out Andy Ruiz. But the three guys that we all consider the top guys in this heavyweight division. Usyk, to me, is the biggest threat to those three. He's the guy that could potentially come through and, and, and you know, outbox them all. I would absolutely mm. fancy him against Wilder, well, like, what do you, what with do you, the caveat of yeah. as long as he stays away from those big bombs. Well, what do you make of his cause it, his comments this week? He's done a lot of media, obviously, building up towards this fight, and he says he's been asked that question, which is the hardest fight in the heavyweight division, which is the easiest fight in the heavyweight division, champion-wise, I'm talking now. Uh-huh. And he's gone, well, the, the most difficult one is Tyson Fury. And the easiest one is Deontay Wilder. Yeah, that's what he said. So, would you go along with that? I agree. Well, right now the easiest one I think is Andy Ruiz. But you know, all being well, and and AJ beats Ruiz and gets his titles back. Yes, for Usyk especially, I would say the the easiest fight out there would would be Wilder. But then I, w- I would say Wilder is probably the easiest fight for the other two as well. Mm. But as he proved against Tyson Fury, you know. There's not many men on the planet that would have got up off that shot that he landed on Tyson Fury's chin in the twelfth round. Um, AJ certainly probably wouldn't have got up from a shot like that. So it's um, he has got that one equaliser that nobody else in this division, and potentially no one else, certainly in, in the last couple of generations, if not the history of, of boxing, modern-day boxing at least, no one's had the kind of freakish power, one-punch power, that Wilder's got. So you can never rule him out totally. But in terms of Usyk... What he brings to the table is the fact that he's incredibly well-schooled, he's very confident, he's done it on the road consistently throughout his entire career. You, know, you, you teed off the beginning of the section then by saying that he'd unified the cruiserweight division, made his mark by beating Tony Bell, you announced himself as a you know contender at the heavyweight division, even though it was, that was a cruiserweight, before he starts on this new campaign. But every single one of those fights, you know, Michael Hunter in the US, Marco Hook in Germany, Pres- Breedus Prescott in Riga in Latvia, Gasayev over in Moscow in Russia, he's, he's beaten the other world champions, the top contenders in his weight division, on their home turf and beating them well and mm. and, and, and in different thing, different ways as well I mean he's, absolutely. Bat, he's battered some and then he's battered he's completely some. outboxed some of them he's knocked other ones out you know he, he beats people at their own game and that's what the greats really do you know that's what his little mate Lomachenko has been doing so well at lightweight mm. um, and to rule Usyk out just because of size would be absolutely foolhardy. You know, Chaz Witherspoon, who he takes on tonight, yes, he is a standing opponent. But Chaz is a big old lump. You know, he's 6'4". Mm. He's been around the game. Yes, he's probably got as far as he has based on his family name. But still, he's a he's a fully accomplished heavyweight. And he will stand in front of Usyk and we'll get to see whether Usyk's power has translated up from cruiserweight. Mm. That's going down in the early hours of the morning. I think the show gets underway at around about 2 o'clock. Uh, with those shows, though, I expect Usyk around about four or five o'clock in the morning. Tape it and watch it tomorrow, basically. <laughs> Get yourself some kip. Uh, there's also a little bit of UFC going on in the early hours of the morning. Uh, Johanna Jadrajek is back in action at straw weights. 
taking on uh, Michelle Waterson. Listen, it is what it is, that fight. There's a great fight with uh, Cron Gracie and Cub Swanson on that card as well. I have a little bit of a nosy in. I just want to get uh, your thoughts, Nick, on last week, UFC 243. We had a middleweight showdown in Australia. 50-odd yes. thousand people turning up at the Marvel Stadium to watch Israel Adesanya put on an absolute clinic against Robert Whittaker. He was sensational, wasn't he? He was absolutely wonderful, you know, and it really was the two best middleweights in the world going head-to-head and Adesanya to do it in the manner he did, you know, second round, knockout, looks sensational, so sharp, just absolutely electric and, you know, I think there's a lot of fight fans now really switching on to UFC because of his showmanship. You know, he's a flashy power puncher, power hitter, but his ring IQ, just, you know, funny we should go from Usyk straight to Adesanya. Yeah, very, very. Very similar in terms of the ring IQ, the intelligence in there. You know, Adesanya says in himself, he doesn't throw shots and hope, he, he picks his shots, it's calculated. Everything he does is calculated and he walked Robert Whitaker, the long-standing champion, onto some absolutely massive shots and really made a, a huge statement and now he's the biggest star absolutely in Australasian MMA and for me and with his uh, African roots as well he, there's a whole continent there to conquer but you know what in the in the sport of UFC over the last 10 15 years we've had you know um, very much Anderson Silva as the best fighter in the world and it became John Jones has been the best fighter in the world for a long time I think this is the new kid I think the Israel Adesanya is the new kid on the block he's the best fighter in the UFC right now certainly the most entertaining and you know, he's he's only just started. He's only 18 months into his UFC contract. Mm. Where are we going to be in two or three years' time? Some massive fights out there for him. And I think, ultimately, all roads do lead for John Jones for him. Um, we will, obviously, in the forthcoming weeks, speak about Darren Till's exploits up at middleweight at UFC 244 against Kelvin Gastelum and uh, the fight for the BMF belt on the same card in New York City, which me and Nick will be in attendance for, Net Diaz against uh, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, that's going to be coming up over the next two weeks. What I want to do is just touch on something that happened last night. Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas, uh, one of our own from the northwest of England, uh, a man that a lot of people now know through the way that Dana White treated him uh, in the Contender Series. Uh, Brendan Lochnan, who's not in the UFC, he's in the Professional Fight League. He should be in the UFC. He should have been offered a contract, but he wasn't. Everybody knows that story now as to why he isn't in the UFC uh, after winning his fight in the Contender Series and then not being offered a contract because he went for a takedown in the last 10 seconds of a fight. Anyway, last night, he's uh, made his Professional Fight League debut ahead of the tournament that he's involved in next year. Uh, he didn't get the finish, but I'll tell you something. I watched this on YouTube last night. It was difficult to watch because it, it, there was no British broadcaster. You had to watch it on the on the official Fight League uh, YouTube channel. And he won all three rounds extremely convincingly and got off to a wonderful, wonderful start. Again, showcasing his talents to an American audience. Yeah, I'm excited to see Brendan in the tournament next year because I think that's his big opportunity. The, the, good, the beauty of the Professional Fight League is, you know, it, it's not like Bellator, which is the UFC's main rival if you like even though they're a couple of levels below um, in that once you jump over there you can't necessarily go over to the UFC I think if he goes into professional fight league if he manages to win that tournament yeah. next year and looks good doing it yeah. there's a great chance he signs for the UFC at the back end of 2020 and he's done the intelligent thing Brennan he hasn't come out and had a go at the UFC or even Dana White yes he obviously was massively disappointed because that tournament that that lesser promotion Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series which he was on is very much a feeder into the UFC that's what it's been set up for and to 
to win that and not get the opportunity is disappointing for Brendan. But listen, he's got a great opportunity with the PFL. And if he wins that, as I say, next year, UFC beckons, absolutely. Mm, going to be interesting to see how uh, how he progresses. I know that he's got another fight before the end of the year at Madison Square Garden. What is it about our boys from the northwest of England uh, taking on Madison Square Garden? We've got one coming up in a couple of weeks Brendan doing it at the end of the year we might as well move over there Nick get <laughs> yes. ourselves an apartment I'm absolutely sure, I'm sure our wives will appreciate that won't they if me and you decide to move over to New York Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.